Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sword Chomp. Because we are all in our 30s, we often reminisce on the past and how gaming was growing up. Technology has changed at such an accelerated rate that will, it will even blow our minds how much it has really changed. When we talk about the past, we often reference how big video game studios and developers were trying wild and creative ideas. That's not to say that it isn't happening now. Rather, it's to acknowledge how common it was in the 80s and 90s compared to nowadays. One cool aspect of the 90s was when two stories from completely different franchises or IPs would cross over into each other's universes. For example, the Rugrats and the Wild Thornberries. Or more recently, Fortnite with all of the skins from different franchises that you can purchase. Why it was notable during the 80s and 90s was because it wasn't as much about two companies trying to generate sales from people. Rather, it was about two developers or artists that had a love and affinity for each other's work and wanted to collaborate together. There was something magical about a friend sprinting onto the elementary school playground first thing on a brisk morning after their mother dropped them off for school and yelling, Guys, did you hear that Sephiroth is going to be in Kingdom Hearts? Granted, we are a little too old to have been in elementary school and that happened. But you get the point. So, we're going to discuss if we think that video game crossover is cool. And we are also going to be discussing if it should be more prominent nowadays. We're also going to talk about some games that we've been playing this week, such as Tunic, more Elden Ring, and more Triangle Strategy. And we will round out the show with some social media polls voted on by you, the listener. So. Let's get into some intros. First, I am joined by a friend who once drummed up a 372-page script slash proposal to bring Aerith back from the dead and have her star in a game as a joint protagonist with Lara Croft, where they would defeat the patriarchy. Many studios declined to work on them, but they were able to find one studio that was excited to work on the script and that studio will not be named at this time. Four, this person walked out on the company after the company demanded that both Aerith and Laura have G-cup size breasts. Since then, they have decided to stick to playing video games and criticizing those said video games on a podcast. In fact, it's this podcast right here, and that person joining me is my friend Joshua Fowler from North Carolina. Josh, how you doing, buddy? They're C and D, respectively. I, I don't know why they thought they needed <laughs> to improve upon that. That's just... <clears throat> yeah. I, you know, G is just too much. Like, C, that's good size. D, I we're, mean, we're, we're There's nothing wrong with G. It's just... It's a strange choice to make when we already have canonical boob sizes to begin with. Um, <laughs> right? Right? And, like... For me, whenever I hear G, I don't know you about you guys, but I always think about Hunter Hunter, that old guy being like, it's the G. Oh. You guys know what I'm talking about? No. No. Okay. No. Okay. Not caught up on that. Heard it's good. Haven't seen it. Hunter Hunter is awesome. And there's this old guy who uses like 
he's just like this guy who's very powerful. And whenever he goes through to his attack, he's like, it's the G! And so when I was writing that the G cup size breast thing, that's what, I, that's what I thought. This fictitious, in this fictitious story, like mm-hmm. the uh, developer telling you, Josh, that it's the G cup size we're going to be in- introducing. And yep. you're like, nah, it's going to be C and D. Mm-hmm. No, it's the G! And you're like, all right, I'm fucking done. Like this guy, this guy doesn't get it. But uh, no, how's your week going, Josh? Pretty good. Pretty good. I've been. Uh... Taking it easy, I had uh, Rich edit the last show to give me a little bit of time off, which I then squandered by writing six show intros. Um, or not intros, <laughs> but but descriptions, because my brain is broken, so. Yeah. You got caught up on some of the older ones that you wrote, essentially? No, 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 no. I, I, don't, I don't know if you went back to check it, but since we were talking about r- luck, I wrote six intros with the instruction to, to roll a D6 before reading them to know which, oh, which show description you get. I didn't see that. Get. I gotta check that out. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize that. Damn. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's squandering. I think, like, back when I was writing this, uh, the scripts of the show, like, uh, or the descriptions, rather, that it was always really fun to craft these really... Uh, creative and in-depth oh, descriptions yeah that, yeah, yeah. For, the for a while there people read we'd swap <laughs> them back and forth and we had basically a D campaign that was running just in the show descriptions for like yeah. a, a full year there where we were just fucking around and it didn't seem anyone was paying attention so we we just right. wrote a story in in the intros that um, was so much fun yeah like Oh, I miss like that was good times. But then I look back in retrospect, and I'm like, man, that time could have been allocated elsewhere. But you know what? We, like, it's fun to go right. look at that from time to time and be like, shit, we we had a we had a thing going there for a moment. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think that's time squandered. I th- I think that that would be really fun. I I wish I had time to do that stuff. Still, I don't have as much time nowadays. But that's fair. Yeah, and like outside outside of Sorechomp. In your life, how are things going, just in general? Good, good. It, it, it's just been a pretty good week. We had uh, Tunic coming out, and I've been waiting for that for like half a decade at this point. Um, right. So yeah, it's it's nice to finally get my hands on a game I've been waiting for for that long. Um, just just always, always interesting whether it turns out to be something worth the wait or not just just to see what you've been looking forward to for that long uh right so yeah right like the anticipation becomes expectation at that point or not expectation but um <coughs> perspective i would say probably yeah, yeah. you like you you don't know what it's going to be or how good it's going to be but you you are you are excited for it and then when you finally get to see it your perception is changed for better or for worse Mhm. Yeah. Is it getting pretty hot where you're at right now in North Carolina or is it still Um, it can't make up its mind. That's a North Carolina thing. Um, just being on the east side um of the mountains. Yeah. You you never know what the weather is going to do, whether it's going to get pushed north or or just come across and and Fall and uh, and spring are that way a lot in North Carolina, where it'll mm. just decide to come across the mountains or not on a whim. And it's so like, uh, do, 
do I want to make that effort? Yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe not so, today. Yeah, so you get you get like we've we've had a, a bunch of like seventy and eighty degree days, and then it'll go back down to freezing the next day. Um, you just you know, depending on what it decides to do without mountain range. Uh, and, and actually, I'm right at the top of the mountain range, so kind of at the you know, I, I'm first to know exactly what you North are, Carolina is getting at the moment. You are, in fact, one of the characters to light one of the torches um, in the Lord of the Rings movies. They don't actually keep those torches up to date at this point. So any time mm. you actually need to light a signal fire, someone's house has got to go. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> the state of things currently. It's not the best system. but it, it sucks, too, because it's not subsidized. It's not covered by taxes. Nothing. Yeah. Insurance. Yeah. Signal fires need to be lit. I mean, if <laughs> if I don't, how's Gondor gonna know? <laughs> how is how is Gondor gonna get lit with those parties if you're mm -hmm. not <laughs> lighting those fires? Exactly. Uh, well, I'm glad you're here, man. Um, I appreciate you making the time. Which I mean, you're contractually obligated to, but still, I appreciate <laughs> you <laughs> making that time. <laughs> no, I'm glad you're here, Josh. Um. Also, I am joined by a special guest who has been known to don underpants of his favorite video game series and characters. He has shared with me that as of this moment, he currently owns underwear for Sonic, Super Smash, Hellblade, and God of War. He told me that all of those are also what he affectionately calls his penis. But his most prized pair is his colorful and dark pair of Streets of Rage which has the wording on the backside. Now, why does he own a pair of these? It's affectionately what he calls his asshole after eating a few chalupas from Taco Bell. Streets of Rage. Please welcome back to the show, my friend Bebop. Bebop, how are you doing today? Uh, you know, it's not even just after eating Taco Bell. It's just after eating food in general. <laughs> <laughs> you having gut issues? I, you know, I, I'm getting, I'm getting old, so, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's a part of life at this point. All right. 34. Well, 33. Yeah, I was going to say, you're not, you're not that much older than me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, uh, I, I hit that IBS stage as well. Yeah. I was going to ask, <laughs> Bebop, do you have IBS? Because I, I know a person who also has IBS. Mm -hmm. You know, honest to God, I, I probably should go to a doctor and get checked. I swear it's like. Every little thing fucks my stomach up. You might, it's the like, worst. Maybe mm -hmm. you don't have IBS. Like, I know this is going to be fun for three listeners, and that's it. Well, <laughs> strap in, motherfuckers. But uh, you might have something called leaky gut syndrome as well. That's something that I actually had Ooh. to look at when I was younger and in university. Um, I went and saw a dietitian, and I was like, man, like the foods that I was eating a year ago are starting to affect my gut. And the dietitian's like, you might have leaky gut syndrome, so dial back a lot of what you're eating, eat some bland food, and start reintroducing those foods, and you can see what your stomach is sensitive to, and then you can swap that out. And uh, that's what mm -hmm. I did, and my, my gut is mostly good now, and I actually realized that my gut was so dependent on the level of anxiety that I was feeling as to how yep. irritated it would be as well, and I didn't realize that was a thing until... Yeah, that's huge. That's yeah. Anxiety will mess you up. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, but... If you do go to a doctor, they'll probably give you a bunch of things to, like, check out and, like, specialists to see and whatnot to to mm. continually rule things out. And by the time you get to IBS, you're seeing witch doctors. Because um, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what the IBS diagnosis actually is at that point. It's the we don't fucking know of diagnoses uh, is, is you have IBS by the, right. by the time you I- get there, so... I would much rather just go see a dietitian first because they're going to like, they're going to be like, all right, what are you eating on a daily basis? And that helps so much. Like all the tests that they're going to run, like those are important, but like seeing a dietitian, I can't recommend that enough. Whether you're trying to gain weight, lose weight, you're having any kind of digestive issues. Mm -hmm. um, You want to clean up your diet, anything. Dietitian really helps a ton because like you can even do that research online, but having someone kind of sit down and help you out it helps tremendously it's like trying to learn guitar from youtube videos versus getting a teacher and having mm, them sit yep. down with you and you know kind of line that stuff out so bebop maybe 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 it'd behoove you and like you could always go to uh, like try and find a cheap dietitian or something if it's expensive yeah. I, I, I i do need to do that i need to do so many things man getting old is just really i mean i'm not even that old but like getting into like the adult years of my life i've just realized how much stuff i actually need other people for like i need to go see a therapist i need to go see doctors and dentists and like growing up you you know you'd go to the dentist because your parents made you but oh yeah yeah it's just it's weird now it's really i think i've only paid for my own dentist like twice at this point in my mid thirties. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's something Which, that like yeah. you don't realize as you're getting older, exactly how much you depend on other people. And that's why society and community is such a beautiful and important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I, I will say, I will say this, like, on, like this will be my one PSA for the day. I cannot stress this enough that if you do any kind of physical activity, whether it's stretching yoga walking outside um walking on a treadmill working out playing any kind of sports you are doing so much beneficial thing like so there's so much benefits from doing that in your physical health that you are really setting yourself up and you're really mitigating a lot of problems even if you don't suffer from anything in your 30s like doing some like kind of prehab excuse me prehab will help you so much long in the long run, like you will be preventing yourself from get like developing any kind of serious forms of arthritis unless it's genetic. Um, there's so many things. So that's my one PSA for the day. So go yeah. see a doctor or yeah, or a dietitian or a or psychiatrist, yeah. whatever you or counselor, if that's a better yeah. word for you. Never mind the um, crippling dead American. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say easy for you to say, Shay. With your universal health care. Yeah, I know. And uh, thank you for the intro, Bebop. My name is Shay. I live here in Japan. <laughs> I have universal health care. So, <laughs> you know. So yeah. suck it. <laughs> no, like Bebop, you missed that last week. I had to go to the ER and uh, I had to ride oh, an ambulance shit. and it cost me $25. Oh, that's beautiful. It costs mm-hmm. like 8000 here. I know. I know. 
I know. Yeah, no, if um, someone calls an ambulance for you here in the States, you have to threaten the ambulance crew with a gun so you don't actually get charged with it. Um, oh, I mean, so you'll get charged with that the new gun, movie's but not about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the whole reason we have the Second Amendment, is to, is to protect yourself from ambulance charges. Um, <laughs> Imagine telling somebody that from a different country. Why do you have guns? Uh, it's so we don't get charged $2,000 on our hospital yeah. bill. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you have to shop around to find an ambulance for (laughs) $2,000. Right. (laughs) I mean, the gun is cheaper than the the ambulance. Exactly, exactly. It's a a wise investment. (laughs) Yeah, apparently. Yeah, I don't get that. I don't get that. Something that takes Uh, a life is cheaper than something that saves a life. uh Interesting when you put it that way. But no, uh, I'm calling it from Japan. it has been a very emotional week for me. Uh, yesterday was my last day at my elementary school and my student, my elementary school students graduation. So that was in the morning and I was like bawling my eyes out as I was leaving. Like, I didn't expect that. My, my vice principal of my elementary school was like, Hey, uh, give a speech. And I was like, I didn't prepare anything. And <laughs> I, I'm not fluent enough in Japanese to just come up with something like that on the spot. So like I'm sitting there racking my brain trying to think of how I want to say it. And all of a sudden I start bawling and I'm like, oh shit, I'm crying right now. Why am I crying? Like it wasn't like a little bit of tears. I was fucking snot bubbles <laughs> bawling. And I was like, I was not expecting to be this emotional about leaving the school and say goodbye. And I, I said what I could say in Japanese, said some things in very simple English translated yep. a little bit cheated a little bit and then uh the principal was like you're the best teacher uh english teacher we've ever had and i was like ah, <laughs> <laughs> and then people are like i want to take a picture with you i was like sure wait until i'm fucking looking yep. haggard like yep. my eyes are just red and water i'm like sure let's take a picture fuck it and uh everybody uh walked me outside and said goodbye and yeah, very emotional time. And then I went straight to my junior high school <laughs> to teach some more classes. <laughs> so that was fun. But uh, no, actually, it was I taught uh, a science class yesterday in English. Uh, the, the science teacher let me do that. So I taught my junior high school students about uh, pollinators and bees. And that was really fun because All right. um, in Japan, they have a very big phobia of two things, cockroaches and bees. Like, the U.S. has a overwhelming, I would say almost uh, ridiculous fear of spiders. Mm -hmm. And that's because the U.S. has a lot of We we have a lot more poisonous spiders, I think, which kind of contributes to that. There are a lot more Less than Americans think, but, but, but more than a lot of other people. Right, exactly. Yeah, there are a ton of venomous spiders in the U.S., and... In Japan, cock- cockroaches are massive, so it makes sense why they fear them. And um, they have gi- giant hornets here, which is also why I think oh, the, yeah. like a lot of people here are afraid of bees. So I got to sit down with my students, and when I show a picture of the bee, they're all like, oh, no, kimoi, kawaii, <laughs> like scary, disgusting. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Bees are cool. Yeah, like the hornets, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, like the hornets, yeah, sure. Be afraid of them. They suck. But... The bees are really cool, and so I got to spend an entire class explaining why they're important, why they're cool, and then um, at the end of class, people were like, yeah, bees are actually kind of cool. And I was like, oh, cool. It took me 50 minutes to dispel a go. little bit of a fear. 
Oh but, yeah. Um, yeah. It's it, it's been an emotional, hectic week. Uh, next week is my last week in my junior high school, so I'm prepared to ball my eyes out again next week, and uh, <laughs> it'll be fun. It'll be fun um, times, but. Yeah, it didn't make it didn't make much for me being able to play a lot of video games this week, but I did play a little bit, so I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. But um, before we get into the show, I want to say two quick things. Number one, uh, if you didn't notice, Rich is absent this week as he's taking a trip to meet with some childhood friends at an undisclosed location. So he's going to hang out with some friends that he hasn't seen in quite some time. How so, dare he? Yeah, I know, right? The fucker. <laughs> and. Uh, Second, we've had a bunch of new content go up, so I wanted to bring attention to that really quickly. Um, a little bit selfish, uh, deal with it. My solo podcast, Evoking the Sublime, where I interview developers and composers about the history and creation of a video game, just had three new episodes go up. Uh, each there, there were three episodes. The first one was on Joel Corlitz, the composer for Halo Infinite, Solar Ash, Eastward, and Death Stranding. Uh, the second episode was with Feral Cat Den Studios, who created last year's sleeper hit Genesis Noir. And the third episode was on Heart Machine, who created Solar Ash and Hyperlight Drifter. They're all up now wherever you guys listen to podcasts, and I had a ton of fun. Um, each episode was with some amazing creators, developers, and just people in general. So please check, check them out if you're interested. Um, we will also discuss on the back end of the show some of the other content that we have going up or is currently up if you're interested in hearing about more content from us. So with that being done and over with, let's actually get into the topic. So I kind of alluded to it in the intro. Uh, video game crossover is something that was really exciting in the 90s. I think that was such a cool like playground topic when we were kids to be like, Oh no, did you hear this character is going to be in this game? It was such an exciting thing because it was so rare to happen. And it wasn't, like I said in the intro, it wasn't about as much monetary value as more about appreciation for each other's story or game or characters that two developers would get together to make something like that happen. And it's kind of even evolved into what it is in 2022, where you see Fortnite have a bunch of skins, or you see Super Smash about making DLC that you pay for to get these characters in the game. Um, it, it is a little bit more about monetary value nowadays, but I, I still think that there is some level of appreciation for each other's game when it does happen sometimes. So I kind of want to start want to start there of just. Um, when we were kids, how cool was it to kind of hear that a character from one IP or franchise is in, in a, a different one? And I'm going to throw it to you first, Bebop. Like, what did you think of that when you were younger? Uh, I mean, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, I thought it was fucking cool as shit. Like, oh, having... yeah, brother. <laughs> having, like, uh, like a, a... Like, a Final Fantasy like character or or reference in kingdom hearts was like for me was one of the coolest things ever and i know that like that game was like designed specifically to do that but like that was like i was always a disney fan right and like i enjoyed all of those movies growing up that everyone else did but mm -hmm. like i was like i was a closeted 
video game and and like Final Fantasy fan because those weren't exactly cool, you know, those weren't hip. And so when you got a video game that had, you know, Final Fantasy and Disney both in the same breath like oh dude, that's fucking awesome. Or you would get stuff like um this was a little bit later, but when you would get stuff like Mortal Kombat featuring yeah. stuff like you know uh Freddy or or Jason or uh I think later was like the Xenomorph from Aliens like stuff like that I was like oh dude what this is so cool this is two things that I love mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat and horror movies so like when I was younger for sure I think it was like a big a big boon like something that I really really adored right uh josh i'm gonna throw it to you what do you think do you want to reflect on whatever bebop says or like your own thoughts on that yeah yeah uh, okay i'll probably wander off into my own thoughts at some point during this but like especially the kingdom hearts thing i thought was interesting because it's it's all about disney properties and that's that's fun you're kind of going through all those worlds and whatnot but it's it's weird how their own characters were kind of the crossover characters in those games with like yeah. the final fantasy characters randomly happening to show up. And like, they were the special attraction kind of out of nowhere, um, which was funny, you know, looking back on it, but yeah, it absolutely had the same sort of feel just because the rest of it was crossover. Uh, that yeah, getting those final fantasy characters was really fun. Whenever they'd show up, just kind of seeing where they'd pop up. Um, Final Fantasy characters in general, like, if you think about, like, Ergies, that uh, one mm-hmm. fighting game on the PS1 in the 90s, like, the big draw there was, like, oh, Cloud and Sephiroth are going to be in this game. Nobody gave, mm-hmm. a fu- gave a fuck who the other characters were. It was only about Cloud and Sephiroth being in this fighting game. Or, for me, like, it could be even be something as simple as, like, Chocobo Racing, where if you defeat the game enough times, you can get Squall or Cloud is an unlockable character. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's not quite that level of crossover that we're talking about here, but it is a slight level of crossover. Even those were really yeah. cool. And to see it at such a bigger level, like um, like you guys are talking about, just mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we, especially earlier on, like, there was a whole lot less... There, there, there were... Fewer eyes on gaming at the time, and there were a whole lot of references that probably, you know, crossed into just plain using someone else's character without asking things, because, like you were saying, like, oh, we really like this thing, we're just going to put this character in our game for the fun of it. Um, Right. And you'd see that here and there. Um, Yeah, yeah, it it seemed like we kind of went through a a period there where they're like, okay, we, we can't do any of that. We, we've, we've got to, we've got to stop all that. And we, it, we've kind of slowly gotten back to it. Um, to, to seeing more of that stuff with, you know, people, people asking now <laughs> instead of just doing it. Um, well, I, I think they kind of have to ask now at this point, because yeah. you look at things like, um, sorry, siren in the background it happens every fucking episode when mm-hmm. I want to say something, I don't, um, uh, anyways, 
you look at all the lawsuits Nintendo has been lobbying that at oh. this point it's like, I gotta protect my ass. I gotta make sure that, you know, I have permission. Yep. yep. Yeah. I it's it's kinda crazy to me because yeah, like like you said, this is one of the things I was talk thinking about when bringing up this topic is that gaming as a whole wasn't this juggernaut that it is. It wasn't this this enterprise, this yeah, this thing that could generate billions of dollars in the 90s. It made a lot of money. A lot of people were into it, but it was more niche. It was more it was viewed as a very different thing culturally that it crossover was i think easier and you could be more referential in video games you know so if i make mm-hmm. a video game like an action adventure video game on the ps1 i could have a mario reference in there without directly having nintendo's permission not having mario's likeness but a reference to it like maybe i see a yeah. mushroom in the background that looks exactly like the mushroom that mario would pick up in a video game and that would be okay and that's a simple crossover there I wouldn't have to worry about getting sued for that, though, because gaming was a little bit more niche. You couldn't necessarily sue and make as much money as you can now, but now it is where it is. It is such a global enterprise, and um, people can make so much money off of it that it makes it a little bit harder to be referential or have those crossovers sometimes. Yeah, I kind of... Outside of the you know, essentially paid product placement that we get with like you, like you, you know, kind of started with, with like Fortnite or a lot of the other, um, live service games that have done similar things where like people are paying to have their stuff per- specifically in this game. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's free advert. Well, not free advertisement. They're paying for it, but it's, it's advertisement to a group of, of people who are, much more invested than they would be if this was, you know, just a random YouTube ad or whatever. Um, so we, we've seen a lot of that in the AAA space, which, not that that's bad per se. I think I think a lot of that is fine. Like, it, it's not really disruptive at this point. I, I've gotten used to the paid product placement type thing. Um, you kind of have to at this point. <laughs> like, I'm less excited about it now than I was back in the day because it it feels way less special. It it um it feels uh, I don't want to say cynical, but like it to me is that cash grab mentality. It's here's an easy property to get eyes on us. Yeah, and I I feel like it's a lot more cynical that way, and maybe that's the wrong word for it. But no, I think it's right. I I mean, not to co-opt your point, but when I think of crossovers like that, I think of the first thing I think of nowadays is how much money is each company being paid? What what are the agreement terms? Yeah, like I'm thinking about in that way. And granted, there's no way I could have possibly thought about it like that when I was eight years old. Um, or 10 years old, or even 12 years old. That wasn't in my thought process at that time. So take that with a grain of salt. But back in the day, like, or even with some of the indie games that do that, you know, I think about something like Castle Crashers, which had 
a ton of crossover. It wasn't about like what oh, money yeah. are each company making. It was like, it's like can we use oh, this? Cool. Let's yeah. let's grow together. Like Castle Crashers is such a huge yeah. thing right now. It's a phenomenon. This ten years ago, twelve years ago, that um, I can put Bit Trip Runner, the runner guy, in there, and yeah. maybe that can get some eyes on your game because I love Bit Trip Runner. This is me thinking as the dev for Castle Crashers. Yes. Um, let's get some eyes on that game, and also I love that game. Let's get your character in my game. Exactly. You know? I and, think some of the best that we've seen of this was was in Super Meat Boy, where. In original Meat Boy, you didn't get a lot of this because it was just a Flash game. But once it kind of kind of became its own fully fledged thing, they brought a lot of the other Flash game, you know, characters, ca- characters like that that were like really popular at the time, along with them and along with their own unique Abilities. control schemes and whatnot, which is really cool in a platformer, uh, like playing these games and getting a hold of characters that are in, you know, a lot of them people didn't even know because they were from other Flash games, uh, which right. was a huge, huge scene, but not, I think a lot of, you know, mainstream gaming missed it at the time. And then, you know, Super Meat I Boy kind of blew up and showed off a lot of these other characters that were, you know, popular in the scene. I think I which mixed is a really up cool way to me- do it. You're right. I think I mixed up Meat Boy and uh, Castle Crashers with the characters that were in the game. I don't think Bit Trip Runner guy was in Castle Crashers. I know there's he wasn't. He wasn't Super Meat Boy. I can't remember if he was in Castle Crashers. I I don't I think don't he was. Think he was. But, but no, I think there was some crossover in Castle Crashers. But what I was referencing was Super Meat Boy there. Okay. So I'm glad you said Super Meat Boy. I made a <laughs> mistake right. there. But yes, like in that vein, like the indie games were doing a ton of crossover, and that doesn't feel like it's about the money. It's, it feels like, oh, yeah. like a mutual appreciation and a mutual growth. Like, let's both grow together. And Yeah, yeah. And granted, you, those are two different spaces within the gaming medium, and I understand that, and I acknowledge that. Um, the point of this topic, in part, to talk about how cool it was, is AAA developers were doing it much more in the past, and it didn't feel about like it was about being monetary. I think about, like, yeah. um, one of my favorite crossovers that i really enjoyed over the years was soul caliber they would always have these characters that were specific Mm. to each console from different ips one of my favorites was spawn on the xbox the original xbox and soul caliber 2 i loved playing as spawn you could play as uh haihachi from tekken on the ps2 version and you could play as link in the gamecube version that was such a cool crossover like um what and granted, I'm sure part of that was about monetary reasons, especially when Nintendo is Oh, concerned. yeah, no, it gave people Any, a reason to buy three money. versions of the same game. <laughs> right, but still a cool part of that would be like, oh, dude, I got the PS2 version playing as High Hachi is so fucking cool. Yeah. Well, I got the Xbox version and playing as Spawn, slashing people with Spawn's axe was so awesome. And that kind of crossover was so cool back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, like I, it's it's hard to even really think of examples that are exactly like that at this point. Um, yeah, just because they had such a unique feel at the time. I mean, we, even kind of going back to the indie stuff, we we've we've had some really cool things done there, especially with like the years of Frog Fractions, uh, 
hints that were thrown in dozens of other indie games, uh, you know, kind of hinting at what the next Frog Fractions game was going to be. Um, like that's that he got so many people to to be on board with with putting his little Easter eggs in their in their games is really cool and that kind of that's the closest to the feeling that i like uh, of the kind of that early, you know that that 90s and early 2000s feel of like we're all in this together let's let's hey let, can can i can i use this character for for some other thing um mm. and it, it feels really personal um like that's that's kind of the closest i've gotten to that and you know a lot of people are going to miss that if they're not frog fractions fans which is a lot of people um, right right it's it's a very niche yeah series to be honest yeah, exactly um but like i mean the closest we get to this now is like i've noticed a lot of the sony ips will just reference the other sony ips um and mm-hmm. nintendo, I, I is love a, that. nintendo is the same thing like y- you see a lot of this kind of in-house crossover type stuff mm. still still surviving at this point but it seems like there's just a lot of competition in the AAA scene that, you know, crossing over outside of your in-house IPs is just. It doesn't just, happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like just a non-starter at this point. It, it sucks. Like, and this is how we can transition into the second part of this topic, how prominent it should be in gaming. I would love, <clears throat> excuse me. I would love to be playing fucking horizon forbidden West. And I go into one of the ruins, one of the technological ruins, and all of a sudden, Master Chief shows up, and he's like, oh, shit, I'm in the wrong game, and then just suddenly disappears. That's, like, right? if that's the, the only crossover that I have of that, that would be fucking hilarious. Yeah. I, like, they, and they just did it for the fucking hell of it, that, for the fun of it. They realized that, like, Gorilla Games is owned by uh, Sony at this point. Or it works with Sony exclusively at this point, whatever it is, I can't remember now. But they were like, hey, you know what? We were inspired by Halo back in the day. We loved Halo. And uh, 343 Studios is like, yeah, "Yeah, fuck it. Throw Master Chief in there for three seconds and have the dialogue. What am I doing here? And then disappears. Like, that shit would be amazing. And that would go a long way to, like, dispelling the whole "Eh, Xbox versus PlayStation bullshit like <laughs> so sick of that shit but like that's a topic yeah. for a different day yeah. i'm getting a little tangential there but i would love to see that mm-hmm. yeah that'd be wonderful yeah i mean the like, best we can hope for is like a smash brothers type thing at this point right i no i i disagree with you i think we should hope for more i like i <laughs> yeah no i speak going going back to the indie scene thing we the the one place we've seen a lot of this lately is there's a group of real life friends who all grew up made games knew each other from college um who made a celeste and wandersong and ickenfell and there's there's just so much crossover because they all know each other that their characters keep showing up in each other's games uh like actually having crossovers in in the same way like um, you know, people will just show up from another game and, you know, as random NPCs or, 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 or whatever it is. Um, 
And it's always cool. It's always cool seeing that happen. I'm hoping that there are enough people, you know, I, th- I think I think the bigger issue at this point is the publishing side of it, like the who owns the IP issues. Yeah. But I'm I'm hoping they see how fun it is for that to happen. As much as we've enjoyed that in the past, as much as we enjoy it when that still shows up in these, you know, games that aren't kind of tied down by all that mess. Um, we can hopefully see some of that again. Um, at least in little ways. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. It's. I. I am a little cynical. Kind of like you were saying, Bebop. Like, like we're only gonna ever get Smash games at this point. As far as it, what do I actually see happening out of it? I. I don't. I don't know that we're gonna ever get back to, you know some of those magical just surprise crossover things that we used to get here and there but like yeah i'd like that it'd be fun because i mean not that they need to be in everything like obviously there's there's still tell tell the story make the game you want to make um But yeah, I, I, I think yeah, I, I I would like to see it just take 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 things a little bit less self serious as they've kind of gotten, and mm-hmm. you know just have fun with it like we used to. Um, I I will say this. I, I guess one argument I could see against this being more prominent in gaming again would be that maybe for some people it takes them out of the experience. You know, like that example I said with Horizon Forbidden West if Master Chief suddenly appeared, I'd be like, wait, I'm completely taken out of the experience. And I understand for some yeah. people, they get so immersed into the game and the experience that they don't want anything to take them out of that immersion. And I can understand that. Like, I don't agree with it for myself personally, but I understand it. I think there are some games where you can't afford to be taken out of the experience. Mm-hmm. But I think there are a lot of games that think they're that game and aren't. Um, yes, they take themselves hundred percent way too seriously, and it's just like, come on, like this is this is just you know boilerplate video game stuff at this point. Like lighten up a little. We, we've seen this enough times at this point that we don't need another serious take at this exact same idea. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and like even even if it's something that's more serious, I think for me and Grand, this is again a little tangential. And Bebop, I, I'd care, I'd be curious to hear what you think too, because Josh and I usually align together on a lot of things. Is that I I always appreciate serious takes on things. I also like when they have a little, they have moments of brevity and just comedy kind of interwoven in there as well. Um, I think of something like recently I've been watching and catching catching up on the boys the. Uh, the the tv show and that that deals with a lot of really serious issues with like superheroes like it deals with rape and it deals with account holding yourself accountable and the uh ego and it deals with um feeling of like so many different feelings but there is comedy interwoven in there as well so there are moments where i can take a deep breath before getting back into this really serious story 
and like that happens in gaming as well i think about you know i i've referenced this over the years my memory of us that game deals oh, yeah. with something really really serious it deals with uh um what happened with poland during world war ii and kind of some of the refugees and what happened with them yeah but there are moments of brevity in that game and it i really welcome those moments because it allows me to take a breath and not just fucking have this anxiety throughout the entire game or be on the edge of my seat or you know grinding my teeth as i'm worried about the suspense of what's about to happen next bebop do you like do you feel sim- like and granted I, t- I took it to probably a place that is a little bit too serious but like with crossovers in a, a in a serious game it wouldn't bother me really it wouldn't take me out of the experience it, like is that do you feel similarly uh i mean i think it depends like i well so i mean i'll i'll talk about it later uh but i'm i'm playing elden ring right now and there is a character from the dark souls series uh patches who's in the game and admittedly you know it's another from soft property so it's not like it's a big thing but like if like that for me works but if i were playing say you know elden ring and uh i don't know like like you said master chief popped up i i don't know that i would necessarily like that so much because part of the thing that i like about Elden Ring in specific is how immersive it is. It feels like something I've never like it feels like it's a, a world cohesive. that I'm actually in. Yeah. Yeah. But what if you have like a cohesive crossover? Like so for example, you're playing Elden Ring and one of the Dragonborn appear and it's like Fusrota and then just disappears. Wouldn't that shit be like, okay, that that crossover makes a little bit more sense. That's kind of funny. Uh y- yeah, but I- <laughs> i hate skyrim so much that like i I just i don't understand the love for that game i really don't um we'll go into that another day yeah yeah fantastic game but we'll go but but in that instance yeah it it works i if i weren't just such an asshole and hated things that other people love no no that's fair yeah no no it it requires 500 hours to actually get to the good parts of that game so it's understandable You know, Josh, I said we agree on most things. I'm going to take that back. (laughs) (laughs) No, we agree on a lot of things. But no, just like what I'm saying is basically a crossover that makes a lot of sense. Like in my Horizon Forbidden West, because you're going to a lot of ruins that are technology from a previous civilization. Yeah, maybe you would see Master Chief there. Or in an Elden Ring, you would see some kind of medieval character. And they're of a darker series as long as the crossover makes sense or the universe makes sense to have a kind of crossover like meat boy is so in josh's previous example meat boy is so ridiculous and silly there's there's no you can have anyone pop exactly there's no crossover that will take you out of the experience when the main story is about a wad of meat trying to kill a fetus (laughs) in a jar to get his band-aid back like it's yeah. there's there's nothing that can take you out of that experience, um, yeah. But kind of like what I was saying earlier, it's like it, the first responsibility should be making the game that you actually want to make, telling telling the story you want to mm-hmm. tell. But if that supports the crossover, then I I, I think 
I think there are a lot of games that support that that just, you know, it's doesn't happen anyway. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. First and foremost, like you need to tell whatever it is that you're trying to tell and you need to have your own unique voice before you send mm-hmm. other people's unique voices out there with yours. Like I wouldn't make a, a, a <sighs> Ocean Horn is a complete ripoff of Zelda in almost every single way, right? But Death's Door is a similar sort of like ripoff of Zelda, and it works much better because it's telling its own thing. It's not trying to be something that it's not, if that makes sense. Yeah, the, the right. only crossover references in that is this is to their own earlier games. Like it, yeah. it ties into Titan Souls, uh, mm-hmm. but that's that's like kind of the only crossover that they've gotten there. Uh, yeah, I I th- I think it's like similar in regards to music of uh, the difference between being referential and trying to climb over your predecessor's shoulders and leapfrog them. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is, oh, yeah, yeah. you can definitely tell when Zeppelin came out. Led Zeppelin came out, how it inspired music, rock music, and how many people yeah. tried to imitate what Zeppelin was doing at the time and what other musicians were trying to leapfrog Zeppelin. And you can't, because Zeppelin, even though they stole, they stole some music from blues artists and uh, black artists, their effect on rock and roll music at the time was undeniable, and to try and... Well, they, they took from everywhere. Like, they, they took from... Everything from from blues to rock to Renaissance like area, Celtic era, stuff, right? Um, chord progressions and and like so much of their st- like, frankly, at the time, Renaissance era music was kind of going through a a whole thing because through the a Renaissance, the, Rings, the, the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> that, yeah, you could say that. You could say that. Um, because the Lord of the Rings took off so much, you had weird things like Leonard Nimoy writing songs about hobbits and, and whatnot. Um, yeah. It was kind of a whole thing, but seeing that brought into the, the sensibilities of, of blues and rock, the way that Zeppelin did that, kind of taking a different, more... Sci-fi and orchestral place. Rush was doing the same thing. There's there's a lot oh, of yeah. Renaissance influence on their music, right? Um, yeah, but but in a different what? direction. Um, and I, exactly. I think that's what like you could just redo the same thing over again, or take something that that still still hasn't been mined for all it's worth. And do something new with it, which is, I think is what made those bands kind of retreading old ground worth worth the trip, because you're you're not seeing the exact same thing over and over again. Like the landmarks are there, but you're you know like you're seeing it from a different perspective, um, right? And like when when you visit those landmarks, you're not trying to like stick your own flag down and say this is my landmark now. What what you're doing is you're visiting it and you're being inspired by it, but you're not yeah. trying to co-opt it. And I think like what the 
like what we're saying, the point I was trying to make is that when it comes to video games, something like Zelda that has inspired countless Mm -hmm. uh, video games that have come since then, there is a difference between trying to imitate and leapfrog what Zelda has done versus being referential while being its own thing, which is exactly what Bebop is saying. And I think it makes sense that like if you establish yourself as what you're trying to do as your own thing, but you have a reference in there to what inspired and influenced you to make that thing in the first place, that's mm-hmm. okay. And even if it's a crossover, if it's tastefully done where it shows reverence, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's but, that's a hard thing to do. And frankly, we didn't... A, it's a hard thing to do. B, it's a hard thing for people to understand. Um, because the difference between just ripping something off and, and taking inspiration and doing your own thing. Some of that's subjective. Some, some of it's not really subjective, but it's still, it's hard to get across. I mean, th- there was a good m- most of a decade where first anything in first person was a doom clone yeah Mm -hmm. i mean it still happens now yeah um and it took a long time before people realized oh no it's just that being in first person gives you completely different affordances for what your game is um and there's it's just it's just it is its own thing and it, it it it's not that it's a genre it's not that it's a type of game it's that it's it's a completely new way of telling something being in first person. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, 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 it's the, it's, it's, it's this, it's the switch to the, the novel, the, the idea of a shorter story. It doesn't have to be just absolutely massive and go on forever. The, the idea of a shorter contained story, like the, the, those, those sort of moments come along in, in any medium here and there. And just, it's not that they, remake the landscape but they they widen it like what can this be what can you do with Mm. with the written word what can you do with a game um and of course people you you have to take from it um because it's it's not even a matter of stealing at that point it's a matter of If if you're not inspired by someone expanding what you can do in a space, you're just you're just ignoring vast swaths of of possibility. Um, in, yeah, you know, at, at at times. I think so. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, let's let's kind of like switch gears a little bit. And I, kind got, of I got completely to... distracted from crossovers. We at that all point. did. We all did. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what we do here. That's what that's that's the store chop motto. Yeah, start something and never finish it. But exactly. now, um, <laughs> let's kind of switch your gears here to like the tail end of this conversation, um, and kind of get back on track. Would you guys like to see crossover be more prominent in current games? Like, we, I, I'll I'll kind of start first to like give us a fra- frame of reference. So, I'm not the biggest fan of what Fortnite and other companies do where they they have you pay money for the crossover i'm I'm not the biggest fan of that but i understand why it happens because it I sucks 
I understand it's a business model. I understand it makes money, generates revenue for the developers so they can make yeah. more content. I get, I get it. I understand it. I don't necessarily agree with it. Yeah, I, don't I, I think a lot agree of... With... Sorry, I, when I was talking about that earlier, I, I said I didn't really mind it. A lot of what I was talking about is the stuff you're not paying for, the, the, yeah. the concerts in those games and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That's really yeah. cool. The idea, like, what is a concert even like putting it in a game? That's, that's a, that's cool. Just as an, you know, a concept, like what would that look like? Uh, a lot of them have been better than others as far as what they do with the space. Um, Honestly, even a $5 price tag, I would yeah. scoff at. Exactly. Know? Exactly. It's, it's, but there's a lot of just shit thrown out there because, you know, we need to be in this game. It's the popular thing type stuff going on i and look i get it uh you know like games like that the free-to-play games they gotta monetize somehow and i respect that um i don't agree with it but i understand and respect it and it's the same with uh not all of it some of it i do not all of it yeah things like getting all the dlc characters in smash um where you're painting 25 or however much money it is for x amount of characters it's not my favorite thing in the world you know, um, you yeah. look at Soul Calibur and all the extra characters that they've had over the years, and it's like, why? Why do I need to pay for three packs of or five packs of characters? Yeah. Why that's not just that's have a uh, that's something feet? I talked about arms in a recent show, talking about Switch games that I really liked that Rich hates. I under, understandable. All the extra characters they've put in there, all the extra features, they're free. It's it's all been free. DLC that they've put in there, which is, I think that's the way to do it for a fighting game. I'm I'm not a big fan of paid additional content in a multiplayer game like that because you want you want everyone to be on equal footing. Um, mm-hmm. Oh well, yeah, and look, I think you you and I could agree, all three of us could agree that even if they were to charge like ten dollars and they were like, you're going to get twenty more characters, or you're going to get fifteen more characters, or you're going to get you know, however many more characters for a yeah. flat fee. I'm cool with that versus like, uh, you're going to get five characters for $20 and then they're going to be another five characters for $20. And I get why it costs money and it costs manpower to create these characters, to create those assets, to create the yeah. moves, like to do all that. I get They've that. done this the last couple smash games. And thankfully mm-hmm. Any DLC character they've had previously has been free in the next game um, mm. because basically you're paying for the development of the kit and the animations and everything that needs to be done from the ground up to get it yeah. on par with a character that's been in the game for decades at this point. So it, right. it kind of makes sense from that point that you're kind of funding, making this character eventually yeah. baseline. But right. also, eh, it, it doesn't feel great from a competitive standpoint anytime you're paying for completely different options than some people have. Yeah, I can see that. I look at it more from like the crossover point of view. That it doesn't sit right with me that I have to pay for something cool like that to happen. Why, why can't it just happen more? Like, why do I have to pay to see that happen? Yeah. Why can't companies just work together to create those cool moments more? Um, and th- that's kind of my point here. Like, I, I get monetarily why. I- I- I'm-, I'm not going to sit here and argue that. We've already done episodes on stuff like this. 
um, not specifically exactly this, but similar to this topic. Yeah. I'm looking at it from the point of simply how happy would I be if I were playing triangle strategy and I saw a character from Final Fantasy Tactics randomly just appear for a few seconds and then go away. I would be <laughs> fucking tickled pink. And granted, those are both square IPs. So they could make that happen, but yeah. Let's, let's, let's broaden it and say, if I saw a Fire Emblem character rendered in the, the style of Triangle Strategy suddenly appear, like Krom suddenly appear in Triangle Strategy for a few seconds and then disappear, I would yeah. be fucking tickled pink. And why can't company and like those are both Nintendo IPs if we want to bring that even further away, like Shining Force character in yeah. Triangle Strategy. How cool would that crossover be? I wish more things like that would happen. I I've wish had, more I've studios. I've had more were hope of that up. recently than I had in a long time, just with the, you know, Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle coming out and that being that's that's a wild fucking thing that happened as far as crossovers go we've not seen anything like that in a long time and that's i love the game on it's just just gameplay and its own merits just what it is just 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 on its own on its own i like it but i think just just the 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 precedent it sets for any sort of crossover happening again is really cool like I'd I'd like to see more of that because that's such a fun thing. It's just, it's fun. Like whether the game was good or not, it's just a fun crossover. Being able to see these characters interact in the in that way, and and the game's great without that. It's like both halves could stand on their own. Is kind of what what I'm saying. Um, right, right. Yeah, I I think that's a great example. Uh, Bebop, like, where do you land on this? Do you think it should be more prominent? Do you think, like, are, are you like, look, you guys are talking about the monetary value? I think that is the way to do it. Like, where where do you land in this? Uh, so I, um, I don't hate the idea of doing it, uh, but I, I'm, mm, I don't want to say that I'm extremely cynical, but I, I often see this stuff done as like a a way to um how to make up for your own short well uh well I mean there is that for sure but I I I kind of see a lot of this stuff in the modern day like media landscape as a way to sort of um like make up for your own shortcomings, right? Like you, mm. you can't tell your. I mean, we'll go back to it. You can't tell your own story, so you're throwing in Batman, you know, to make people want to play your game, that sort of thing. And I kind of think that, to an extent, what needs to happen is there just needs to be better people making games. Uh, <sighs> I I know that that's that's such an asshole thing to say but like what I'm trying to what I'm trying to get at is like I think that it would be perfectly cool and I would love for that kind of stuff to happen if I could know that there was a passion behind the the story or the gameplay or whatever it is 
whatever it is that you are trying to do with your game. If you can tell me that and you're passionate about it and you have it like fully thought out and you like it's that's your baby. And then you want to add in Mario, the fucking go for it, man. Like that's that's cool. I am all for that. I am just so like I've seen this stuff before, you know, and I I know what it is. And again, maybe maybe I'm just being cynical. Maybe maybe I should like give stuff a chance, but maybe you should touch grass. Maybe I should touch grass. Maybe I need to go outside and see the sun every once in a while. What's that? But me too. <laughs> what's the sun? I've not uh, felt the warm embrace of the sun's rays upon my bosom in a fortnight. No, yeah, I, I get your point. You, you see what I'm saying? No, yeah. I, I I get your point. Like I think about, yeah. for example, like Cyberpunk 2077 which relied so much on the advertisement of the fact that, uh, as my old video productions uh, teacher would say, his name is pronounced Canoe Reeves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> love you, Mr. Wiles. Now, uh, Keanu Reeves, uh, they relied on advertising him being in the game so much that, uh, you know, that, that crossover... Yeah. That like that game became so dependent on that crossover, but like the game Bebop, is all like, crossover. Like, yes, they, but, they took uh, like the cyberpunk IP was not cyberpunk the genre. It was literally cyberpunk the, the like the the role playing game system. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, and, and all the books that had been written to support that particular role playing game system. That that was the lore, and then on top of that, they added in Keanu Reeves because they needed something to sell it, other than just the not their property IP that they had gotten. Mm. Like, and, yeah, yeah. No, I get I get your yeah. point. Yeah, let's let's not get too. I agree. Let's not get more tangential. Than yeah, sorry. No, it's it yeah. like artifice right. on top of artifice. By right. the time you got no, to the final game. You're right. You're right. But Bebop, would you would you be more open minded to it if it's like a game that doesn't advertise that at all? You just happen upon that crossover, and then it's spread by word, word of mouth. At that point, it's not the company relying on that crossover. It's like, and it's not even a prominent part of that game. It just happens. Like you think about like oh, Soul, yeah, like the sure. example like earlier with Soul Calibur. That crossover was a big selling point for those games. And I understand there's some kind of reliance on selling the games with that. But for like Josh's example, and granted, this is not as current as of an example as I can think of at the moment, but Super Meat Boy, mm-hmm. where that game was kind of standalone on its own. And it wasn't advertised at all that those other Flash characters were going to be in there. You just found that out. Aren't those kind of like crossovers really what I think is like I think is the most exciting and the coolest. Wouldn't you agree? Like if developers started knowing that more, that it would be a little bit more welcomed. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I, I mean, I even like the idea of just like subtle references. Uh, I, I mean, I know that's not like crossover, but like that's more yeah, like uh, Easter egg territory, but yeah, I get, I get your point. Yeah. Like I remember back in the day playing, um, uh, fi- uh, not Final Fantasy, sorry. Um, Parasite Eve and Parasite Eve had a reference to the Gunblade, and then you could actually yeah. get the Gunblade in Parasite Eve 2. 
I think that's a crossover. Like, the Gunblade is an icon and almost is a character in its own regard in the way it's used. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, this is maybe, uh, I, I don't know if this would be in the same realm, but the Psycho Mantis fight in Metal Gear Solid, right? Oh, yeah, reference. He reads your memory yeah, card your to stuff. see what Konami games. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I, I think that's super fucking cool. That's such a neat little, like, I, I mean, I guess it is an Easter egg. I guess it's not really like a crossover, but it's one of those things that comes to mind where like modern day gaming is so, especially in the AAA space, maybe not in indie as much, but like in the AAA space, I feel like it is very overt. There's no subtlety in almost anything AAA anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, like full stop in a lot of ways. Not, not, <laughs> not full stop. Like that's being, that's being unkind. Yeah. God but in a lot of ways, full stop. Um, just subtlety is dead. <laughs> oh, I, well, yeah. I I think in this current generation, or not current generation, this current where the gaming culture is at now. Sure, and it's not just gaming culture. You think about it with movies. Oh yeah. Um. Oh yeah. I was I was at uh, you know of all things, uh, well not of all things, but uh, I was watching the hot ones most recent episode with Jacob Elordi, who is uh one of the actors in Euphoria. And the dude mm-hmm. is a huge cinema nerd. Like, he, he really gets into cinema. And one of the things he was talking about, and it's not, like, profound or anything, he was saying that movies right now are about the fantastical, the, the epic, the green screen, where mm-hmm. movies 10, 15 years ago were much more, like, about the open space. And, like, it, everything wasn't just being ramped up to 11. That there yeah, were... It, yeah. like, and, like, you think about that with games... That's a like games have a very formulaic pattern right now in the AAA space. And mm-hmm. that's where they are currently at is a lack of subtlety. And that's fine. That's fine. That's currently what is most popular. I might not be the biggest fan of it, but I, I still am a fan of it. What what's happening in the AAA space to some degree. And I still find enjoyment in there, but um yeah. it's different from obviously where we grew up, where um you know there are different pockets in terms mm-hmm. of the evolutionary history of gaming and right mm-hmm. now we're at a place that isn't subtle and maybe that doesn't make for the greatest gaming crossover but who knows in five years that pendulum may shift or swing into a different area or culture of gaming to that makes more sense for crossovers to happen yeah 100 agreed yeah Guys, I love it when nobody argues with me when I think I have a profound point. Feels good. I mean, I don't know how profound it is that things might be different in the future. Uh, That that sounds like about the the mildest of takes you could come to. It's like, I don't know. Things are the way they are, but they might not always be. Okay, profound may have been giving my ego a little bit too much credit. I apologize. I like when I make a decent point and and people agree with it. It feels nice. It rarely happens here, so I'm acknowledging how good I feel right now. <laughs> I'm giving myself praise where praise exactly. isn't usually given. Josh. I don't know. I looked at my mic instead of my camera. <laughs> that, no, not that any of the audience knew. Looking at the microphone like that, that fucking proves my point. Mm-hmm. But no, you're right. I don't know if it's profound, but it definitely feels good <laughs> that you guys agree. Um, but 
yeah, I like I don't know if there's any final things that you want you guys want to say about it. Like for me, my like I guess we could just end the topic with like one of our favorite crossovers, say something very simple. I already acknowledge mine. I loved uh the Soul Calibur crossovers and I love playing a spawn. That was my absolute favorite crossover in any video game. Uh it was really fun. I, I grew up playing that game and I, I, I enjoyed the Spawn comics. Uh, my father is a really big fan, which is probably why I enjoyed them. And that crossover was cool to me. So that's probably my favorite crossover in mm. gaming. Uh, Bebop, do, do you have like one crossover that's your favorite or one of your favorites? Um, that's tough. I, I, cause I, I really, really love that first Kingdom Hearts game. I actually never played, uh, two or, uh, three. And I, I, I really adore that game. (laughs) Two two is worth it. Um, yeah, I have heard, I've heard that two is even better than one. Like there, the issue with three is that it's not three, it's eight. Uh, and I think that Uh, that was, that was the issue is so many people went into it thinking it was three and it tells you fucking nothing you need to know <laughs> going into it actually being eight, but saying it's three. Um, and granted, it's not the most graceful of storytellers on top of that, <laughs> but it just compounds to just equal a lot of people being 200% confused as to what the fuck's even happening in that game. Um, mm. But yeah, two, yeah, two is definitely worth going to. Um, granted there's the GBA game between them, which I love. Most people hate. I love cause I'm a weirdo who likes weird real time card games like that. Um, yeah, that's the kind of retelling of the first game, but with card battle, right? Yeah. From a mechanical standpoint, yes, it's doing its own thing. It's got its own narrative, but essentially the gameplay is you reliving memories of the first game. Okay, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, called, it's literally called Chain of Memories. <laughs> yes, exactly. They tell you that up front, but it's, it's, it's basically replaying all the same levels because you're reliving memories of the first game while its own story is kind of happening outside of that and getting you, getting you up to speed for, for the second game. Um, mm. We 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 do get distracted a lot around here. This is, is <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's what we do. It's what we do. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I guess I'd say Kingdom Hearts, but also I I really do want to point out that the Mortal Kombat stuff with the horror movie characters is right up my fucking alley. Oh, I love pretty that dope. stuff. That's pretty dope. Fighting games tend to do crossovers really yeah. well. Oh, yeah. Like even Soul Calibur 4, I don't know if you guys remember this, had Yoda and Darth Vader in it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I completely forgot about that till Oh yeah. Those, what was reason. that? The 360 version? Or was that it? Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, well, no, what happened was one version had Yoda, one, had Yoda, one version the had other one Vader, had... and then yeah. they eventually made it DLC that you can get both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, right. I think the 360 um, version was Yoda and the other one was yes. Vader. Yes. And the, yeah. Yes, something like that. Yeah. It's been ages. I don't know if that's right, but yeah, it was something like that. It's been That tw- sounds right. It's yeah. been 12 years. Uh Josh, do you do you have any crossovers that you want to mention that you love before Ooh. we go on break? Um I mean, they're not big as far as like, you know, 
it, they're, they're kind of what I was talking about. The status quo has become at this point the the internal IP crossovers. But at the time, even that was big. All the Mario characters, and not just Mario, there there are other characters from other properties showing up in um, Link's Awakening. Lended that game just the the the, the very dreamlike feeling throughout, with Yoshi showing up, with Chain Chomps being characters you have to walk because oh it's just it's this character's dog they just own a chain chomp it's it's their it's their chain chomp that's treated like a poodle throughout the game um that that sort of crossover that lends to the storytelling is that's that's one of my favorites of of all time Mm -hmm. and a lot of those um they're not again like they're not the biggest crossovers. They're they're all in-house type stuff. But I think that's one of the games that did it the best as far as getting across the feeling that they wanted to with, with within a game. Um That's a, that is a great example of one, I think. Even if it's in-house. Yeah. That it's just I don't know. This, and it's one of the few that I played like at the time, and it was just such a big like influential sort of a you know crossover for me so yeah i i really liked um that crossover between the walking dead and the last of us too when joel gets oh i guess i guess that wasn't a bat <laughs> never mind this golf club <laughs> <laughs> never mind that crossover did didn't actually wasn't actually a crossover, uh, but uh Damn it, I wanted to slam that game one more time just for fun. <laughs> just to piss a few people off. No, I actually like I, I like that game probably the most out of really, all of Really, really strange that Titleist paid for that. <laughs> <laughs> Titleist's The Walking Dead 2. <laughs> that all is your the type of crossover needs. we need. Brand crossover. And I'm lying, we don't need that. I don't know, man. Titleist. That's wonderful. Oh, God, that would be amazing. Like, that, like, that kind of shit, I would probably get into golf. No, you know, I'm not going to say that, because I'm going to bring it into fruition if I say that kind of (laughs) shit. But I would, let let me read that. I would consider getting into golf if Titleist sponsored The Last of Us 2 for that exact reason. (laughs) Like, like Abby, Abby was like, you know, Joel, you've done a lot of really shitty things. And, uh, if I've I've learned anything from Titleist as she's holding up her wedge, it's just to keep driving and then just beat the shit out of Joel. (laughs) And I'd be like, golf, you look greater every day. Oh my gosh. Um, on that, we're going to stop being tangential and go to break. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the games we have been playing. Right this Stay tangent. Tuned. Right into the commercials. Good people of the earth, if you're here listening to the Chompcast, I want to say a big thank you. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the Chompcast isn't the only podcast that we do. That's right! We have Evoking the Sublime, where Shay interviews game developers about the creation of their games. We also have Chomping After Dark, the podcast where we deep dive into the story of video games. 
as well as the occasional TV show and movie. And lastly, our newest podcast, Chomping at the Bits, went live just a few months ago, where myself and some friends break down the historical relevance of popular video games over the years. We have tons of content, and we'd love for you to check it out and let us know what you think. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts, or over at the Sword Chomp website. Now if you ladies are done gabbing, I have some shit to do. Hey everyone, we're back. Uh, thank you so much for waiting for us. Uh, we were goofing off behind the scenes and, you know, doing other things. But now we're back, and we're going to talk about some games. First game we're going to talk about, it is an indie game um, that just dropped on the Xbox consoles, Game Pass, and PC. Uh, speaking of being rever- referential, or reverential, excuse me, we're going to talk about Tunic. Uh, a game that's been years and years in the making. Uh, Josh had played that this week. I had wanted to play it, didn't get enough time, didn't find enough time, I should say, rather. And uh, it's it looks similar to a Zelda game. Josh, you want to tell us about it? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. Tunic is, I mean, Zelda's right there. It, it's It's the obvious comparison. You're playing as a fox who is dressed as fucking as fucking Link. Like it's, it, it looks like a Zelda game, but you're 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 a fo- you're a fox. Um, that's that's kind of been the direct comparison since the game was announced. Um, now that the game is out, um, a lot of that's justified. A lot of that is this is this is absolutely inspired by the original. Legend of Zelda, which is one of the most open-ended, exploration-focused Zelda games that we ever got. Um, as as much as I love the entire series, there is there is a Zelda one is its own thing. Zelda mm-hmm. two is its completely <clears throat> own thing, and then and then we get um, a link to the past out of the Zelda series, which is mm. outstanding. Just excellent, excellent, but created the framework for every other Zelda game to come from that point on, where the focus is way more on the dungeons and on the Metroidvania type uh, progression system. Um, this this, this kind of along that sort of Dark Souls uh Breath of the Wild let's take inspiration from the original Legend of Zelda type uh lineage is is where Tunic falls uh it is very much based off of the original Legend of Zelda uh to to the extent where there is a I don't know if it's a cipher or its own language or what um, because I've not dug into it deeply enough. It's it's not a, it's not a one to one cipher from what I've seen. Um, there might be some sort of a like syllable nature to it, or I, I've not I've I have not solved the the cipher in this game yet. Is is what I'm getting to. Um, okay. There there is 
th- this is a basically Zelda game where they start you off with nothing. You can miss the first weapon right off the bat. That's in a cave, just like the sword in Legend of Zelda. If you wander off, you just won't have a weapon uh, if if you don't mm. pick it up at the beginning. Um, sort of a feel to it, which is that's that that's so cool. Um, that they give you the option to just not pick up a weapon starting up in the game. Um, and that and that that design philosophy is kind of followed throughout the game from that point on. Um, um, you can you can tell that even though it's kind of based off of the Zelda, the Legend of Zelda original framework, there's Dark Souls is a big influence in that space at this point because that kind of picked up that torch and carried it forward from that point on. And there's a lot of Dark Souls specifically influence on this game, um, with with uh, just just very obtuse items that you'll get and uh, not know what they even do until you just try it out. Sort of a, a feel to it. Um, the coolest thing that this game does is the main collectible slash it's not even just a collectible it's a collectible slash it is progress but progress if you pay attention you will collect like nes era physical pages from an nes manual for a game in this game cool um like it's one of the first things you find like you find a stick and that's your first weapon. Your first weapon is just a stick. It's terrible. Talk about, talk about crossover, am I right? Mm. Yeah, um, but then like the next <laughs> thing you find is an NES manual page that has so cool. information about the game if you pay attention to it, because it's, again, none of it's forced to you. You can pick it up and ignore it if you want to and just keep playing. Um, and um, sorry, kind of connecting things back up to that cipher I was talking about early on. This game has some things written out in English, just uh, just normal world, normal words for you to just read and understand how it works. And then a lot of it is in this, I assume, cipher. Um, that's just, you know, replacing English letters. Cause that's just generally the way this sort of game is done. Um, it, it's, it's like a good 90% cipher. And then a couple words will be in English. Okay. And the, the, the feeling that this gets across is on an awful lot. Like playing a game as a kid and not knowing how to read is is it's it's got that nostalgic feeling that is kind of kind of going back and understanding like oh okay I know this word like I'll be able to pick out this thing I I know what this says um but I can't read the whole thing and trying to figure it out from there is a lot of what this feels like because some games like like Fez is kind of the closest thing I can get that's that's kind of doing a similar thing of of having a very direct cipher like one to one sort of a thing the 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 um 
Fez comparison is an interesting one because it has its own alphabet, which is really hard to figure out unless you, well, really hard to figure out, but there's, there's literally a room with a fox jumping over a lazy dog, uh, which if you figure that out, you can figure out the whole cipher if you're not, you know, well, I say that I don't know how many people know that, you know, the quick brown fox I, jumps over the lazy dog. I don't I don't know how many people know that or if that's just a me being a complete fucking dweeb uh sort of Josh, knowledge base. To go off of that, I, I have to be honest with you. You said cipher more in the past five minutes than I've heard in my entire fucking life. <laughs> okay. A cipher sorry, sorry. All right, let's 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 no, I know what it, let's I know define what it some is. terms in case you don't a cipher is a Essentially a code, but where there's a one-to-one replacement for a letter for another symbol. Usually just the same letter again, but just in a different place. But in gaming, generally a completely different symbol. Just because right. that's, that's the easier thing to do. It looks cooler than just having the letters be displaced. It, think back to Final Fantasy X and Albed. Yeah, that's but exactly it's, what I was that, That's a cipher. You eventually learn how to replace every letter with another letter. If you're a complete dweeb, you'll have figured that out long before you learn all the letters by collecting what the cipher means. Um, Fez, again, did this, but with A, a cipher for English, and then B, also a cipher that connects directly to your button inputs. Like some will mean rotate this direction, jump up, down, left, right type things, um, I, which I was want, which was want, based off of tetraminos. I want to jump in here really quickly because for those of you who are, the, maybe this is your first episode. I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a complete no no no, no 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 no. Don't worry about it. Skipping Here's over what so I'm much. Say. Josh focuses so much on these little points, and when he does, that's his way of telling you he loves the game. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> that's, like, that's all I'm gonna say. So right now you're like, what the fuck is Josh talking about? This is an action adventure game. Why is he talking about ciphers? He's trying to tell you he loves the game, and he's telling you why he loves the game. Yeah, sorry. Let's back up. There. Let's back up here. This <laughs> game is uh, a an action adventure game based off of the Legend of Zelda. As as like I said, as a framework, as a this right. is kind of what the game is. Yeah, uh, it's on Game Pass. I played about 15 minutes of it on Game Pass and then uninstalled it and bought the game on Steam because I knew I was just going to want to own this game uh, and then restarted it because I could, I could see where it was going from about 15 minutes in. I, like, I see the influences, knew, knew what it was doing, see that the, the gameplay was solid enough, the puzzles were solid enough, the exploration was outstanding. I, I gave a lot of shit to Elden Ring about the open world being a replacement for actual exploration that you got in that game in the last few weeks. Not mm. that I dislike that game, but I kind of see it as a poor man's imitation for the just gold mine that they had before, but let's trade it in for what's popular type trade off we got. And again, it's excellent. It's the best open world game as far as that open world exploration goes but it's a pale imitation to what they did so excellently before. 
in my opinion. Rich is not here to defend this, so I can I've got free reign here. It's it's great. You know, um, Bebop but, may may defend you in the next section. May not for Rich in the next section, but yeah, we'll see. Um, but this game is is following directly on that lineage in in the same way, um, in such such a cool way. Um, I don't remember where the fuck I was before we get before you you got me back to starting over. Um, <laughs> I well, like the the thing was like I I know like I know you well enough to where like when you get tan like get so finely focused on one point that you so really are appreciate. You, you, yeah that i know that you really appreciate that game and you love that game i know that but for the average listener like oh, yeah. make, making sure we have some of that baseline information <laughs> that you just gave is really really helpful for the conversation and yes. um and yeah and one of the questions i actually have regarding this game because it kind of gets into what we were talking about a little bit earlier uh with our one of our tangents is do you feel like, granted, I'm sure you haven't finished the game at this point, but from what you have played of it, do you feel like the game sets itself far enough apart from its source material like Zelda to really stand out? Or do you feel like this is a game that really is just referential and reverential at the same time? Oh, no, it, it, it is its own thing, but in a kind of, kind of like I was saying before, it's got a cipher in there. That is, again, I assume it's a cipher. It might be its own sort of thing because I have not solved this yet. Um, this is this is very much kind of falling along that that vein. In in a similar way to like Fez, and I think Fez is kind of the best this has been done before, as far as this is a simple game, but we're gonna give you so much depth at every point of this simple game to allow you to figure out other puzzles ahead of time if you figure it out um that kind of going back it, it gives you that feeling of playing oh this is my older brother's game or whatever like you're supposed to be able to read to play this game i don't know how to read i know that word i know i know that word and that feeling comes across in this game so well because the cipher is not just everything, which is something Fez did. Um, there is no language. Well, a few characters talk to you, like in the main the main village, that are just just normal. They'll, they'll speak to you, um, but basically any text you find is written in the cipher. In this game, you get manual pages, like I said. And 90% of it will be in the cipher, but you'll be able to pick out a word, a word here or there that's just in English. Um, and it okay. really gives you this feeling of playing a game that you almost understand right off the it, bat by, by giving you... A, a, the manual pages will have little bits in English. Like, okay, like... This is this is the Western Bell Tower. It's it's words you should know. Sort of a feeling, um, and it, it, it'll get you on the right track, based off of that. And I've I've almost got this feeling like even even if you never figure out what the other language is, the game will be completely playable without that. Like mm. just based off of the little hints 
here or there, like the, the, the one or two English words plucked out of everything else that they hide from you, you're able to figure out what's going on. Um, and, and also kind of along those same lines, you're given these manual pages, but you're also given the manual pages with like kind of handwritten notes scrawled on them in pen. Um, some of which are in English again, some of which are in that cipher. Um, like, Oh, these are like my, my, again, kind of this feeling of my older brother played this before me and now I'm getting around to it, but I still can't read feeling Mm. some of it's in English. Some of it is not, some of it's still in these characters that you can't figure out. Um, that was kind of my question about this is like, what is the cipher or alternate language serving? Is it like, um, more story driven is it more character driven and it sounds like you're a little bit it feels more like world building as far as i can tell like there's Mm. the game is again like zelda is based off of three it's it's very western like again it's 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 a japanese game but very western in this sort of uh sort of judeo-christian framework of rule of threes type framework holding the whole thing together um this game is based off of hexes um everything is based off of sixes um you get you get a lot of hex based stuff and it seems like the cipher is based off of that as well because it seems like it's a hex based grid but split in half it's weird it again i have not figured out this cipher and this is something i do over and over again, because I'm a fucking puzzle game nerd, and I have not gotten the cipher in this game yet. If that kind of tells you, it's it is very obtuse. It is meant to be something. Again, from what I can tell, you you eventually you might get there, but it is meant to be incomprehensible. Like it is built okay. around the the feeling of I should understand this, but I don't. Okay. Okay. Um, and like, it, it really gets that feeling across again, even if you're a complete dweeb like me. So I, I think it's going to be a fairly universal feeling, um, okay. of, of, of getting across that nostalgic feeling of playing a game that you can't read everything in. Um, right. At least until you look up the answers on the internet. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm eventually, eventually, <laughs> but again, like I said, I don't feel like it's, Fez, if you didn't get the cipher, you eventually need to look it up because there is so much built around understanding completely the language in that game. Mm. Um, this so far does not seem like that. It feels like that will give you a leg up, <coughs> but it is not required. It is something where just the exploration and experimentation will let you figure out how things work. Okay. Um, so let's let's shift gears a little bit how does i guess in general i mean you talked about it a little bit how does the combat feel and how does the exploration of this game feel like because for for like i think the the aspect of the cipher is really interesting and for me i'm interested that's something that people who really get into puzzle games are going to be interested in but obviously this game is centered around action and adventure so i think it would behoove us to talk at least a little bit about that to see oh yeah, yeah you know 
like what people like people who are more coming into the game for that or don't even know what the game's about that might draw some people in yes yeah the the combat is very slow and deliberate is it, it, it is the combat is more along the dark souls that that's one of the more dark souls inspired things as as far as that goes uh it is i mean again the combat in the original legend of zelda was slow just because it had to be sort of a feel uh but this feels way more not everything is that slow but like that that seems like a a, a conscious decision to make the it's combat less of more a- souls like it's less of a product of the technology that yeah, was yeah, yes. at the time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, and um, it's, it's, it's interesting because again, you start finding these manual pages earlier on and they're, they're hinting at eventually having a shield and it takes you a long time to find the shield in this game. So <laughs> you start getting these things and that again, feels so much like, playing a game that you can't quite understand the manual for back in the back in the NES days where this this for for all our young viewers uh it used to be assumed that any instructions for a game were in the manual nothing was explained in the game itself um because no even tutorials. getting a game to run at all on especially PC hardware was black magic um and you you needed to have the manual to understand how to get anything to work um and this is this is kind of along those same lines where you'll start finding pages explaining oh here's here's how blocking works like certain enemies were are weak to 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 blocking in this way or whatever and it takes you forever to find a shield in this game which is that's kind of that's yeah, it's like no, it's a legend. In a exactly, way. it it feels really satisfying because you're like hinted at this thing forever, and instead of instead of having a block to deal with enemy attacks, it's way more about spacing. Like, okay, I see the enemy sword is exactly this long, and understanding where the attack will swing at you from, barely outspacing it, walking in and hitting them after the attack. It is mm. it is very tactical as far as. Again, that soulsy feeling of, or or fighting game feeling. That, that's something that's like, it's not really talked about a lot. But that's it's that that spacing feeling that you get in a fighting game of punishing an enemy for for taking a move that is not safe against you. Um, you feel a lot of that here, especially until you get the shield. Um, hmm. Okay, that sounds pretty good. I mean, that sounds fun. Um, well, how does how does the exploration explore ex, exploration how does the exploration feel in the game? Uh, it feel it, it it is it is very Metroidvania e. Um, again, I, I mentioned the first weapon is a stick. You can whack things with it. You can't cut bushes. One of the most obvious things that you get like. Eventually, you'll find a sword early on, and that'll let you just cut down whatever grass or anything else or bushes, any anything that just happens to be in your way. Um, early on, it seems like a nothing upgrade 
but it's massive as far as your exploration goes. Um, as as far as it's it's the sort of nothing upgrade that we used to get way more of. Wait, mm. like again, back in the NES era, like this lets you open anything. Like before this, you couldn't open literally anything. You are completely railroaded. Um, to being a pathetic little peon. Exactly. Uh, and you feel an awful lot of that. Um, and that's going to be, that's going to be niche for some people. Cause I know that not having a tutorial, having next to nothing is, oh yeah, that, that was commonplace 30 years ago. Nowadays, most games arm you with at least some kind of capabilities or weapons or some kind of experience oh, now yeah absolutely absolutely and this is kind of like i was saying there's there's an awful lot of kind of saying where dark souls has taken this lineage with elden ring coming out right before this uh and even in that game you start out with the starting class with weapons with with everything you need to get exploring this world right away um it's got way less of that metroidvania sort of exploration feeling you can go anywhere, do anything right off the bat. Um, not strictly. Like, it It takes you a little while to get the horse in Elden Ring and, you know, kind of have your full exploration toolkit. But you're basically set right out the gate um, as far as exploration goes. Um, mm. This feels way more gated than that, but also with that same sort of you're constantly seeing stuff you can't do sort of feeling that Metroidvanias really give you. Um, okay. Like, like How f- hmm. Elden Ring does this pretty well as well. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, you're kind of given the one exploration, uh, progression, collectible with the like the swords that you use to unlock certain doors like slash gates things whatever they are uh the like the little collectible miniature stone sword things that you get to unlock new areas like that's kind of the gating thing that you get in that game um whereas in this one the main thing you'll notice early on like i said is Man, I could go over there if I could just cut down these stupid bushes that are in my way. Oh, I could go over there if I had a hook shot. Like, obviously, I could latch onto that little hook point thing over there. Uh, And you get so much more of that as a feeling of, as you're going through an area, I see the path I'm supposed to be on. There's something over there. If If I could go back there, if I had the right tool to do this particular thing, I could go and explore so much more. Uh, is constantly a feeling you have in this game. Um, Interesting. Okay. Okay. How far are you into the game right now, would you say? Um, I'm about nine hours. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, a sizable way in the game. A sizable way in? I'm, I'm at the point where the game stops being, oh, this is just Zelda, and starts being... Okay, there's a ton more going on in this world uh, other than just being Zelda. Like it, it's got its own thing going on. Um, and you you can tell some of that earlier on. A lot of it's going to be dependent on what 
context clues you pick up on. Because again, so much of it is around building a mental model of what the fuck is this game based off of the limited knowledge that you're given. Um, and I'll, right. that, that's going to be different from person to person. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I imagine I, you're probably, you're probably going to be playing this for a few weeks as you're you know, figuring everything out. And this, this is one of those games I feel like you specifically, Josh, you're just gonna you're gonna wring every drop out of this game before you're done with it. Yes, uh, no, I, I I think so. Um, like, sorry, kind of going back to basics on here. The, the one thing that I've had, in, sorry, I thought you're gonna be like, sorry, I want to go back to ciphers for a minute. No, 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 <laughs> I'm not going back gonna... to ciphers. I'm going back to the base mechanics of it. Hmm. Uh, the the one thing I've had kind of an issue with, um, at all. One like the one thing uh, is mm. that the like we we mentioned how solid the combat was, mostly right. great, mostly very very great. The way it's built, none of what I'm saying is actually a problem as far as actually completing anything, but, um, which animations are interruptible and or bufferable in any at any given time is a little inconsistent um as far as building a mental map of how the game works like like how i'm trying to trying to think of how to explain this um for example going to something like dark souls animations they'll let you buffer them out until infinity like you, you can buffer all the things. If you mm. do, you are one hundred percent fucked because you are now animation locked by buffering ten seconds out of shit that you are now locked into while an enemy just fucking destroys you. Mm. Um, some games, especially early NES games, you could buffer absolutely nothing. It was a matter of if you've got a three attack combo, you hit it exactly as each swing ends in order to be able to make your combo work this game feels somewhere between those two as far as some things feel like you have to time perfectly other things feel like they'll just buffer for you and because it's a little inconsistent based off of that um it feels weird in places um with like certain attacks going off that you don't think will or or vice versa uh, that's that's my only weird thing that I've noticed so far, and that seems like a minor thing that they could probably tweak with with little patches as as far as like making it more strict one way or the other as far as mm. how the combat handles like the the, the 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 how strict the animation handling is in in okay. in the combat, and that's 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 the one thing that's felt weird to me uh out out of all of this uh and again i have to imagine that something will something will be addressed there cuz it just it just feels weird occasionally not enough to be an issue because again like i said this the, the combat is very slow and deliberate and if you just take your time with it it won't give you issues but if you're an obsessive weirdo like me and again this game is kind of made for obsessive weirdos You'll notice this. Um, this is kind of the one thing in there that's 
eh, like an extra round of polish could have been paid attention to exactly how it handles, you know, mm. buffering for inputs. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, I'm hoping I'm going to get some free time this week to play it so I can discuss it more with you next week. And I'm sure Rich will be back and we can all three of us have a, a more in-depth discussion. I don't know how much more in depth, but, <laughs> but right? more in depth. I've fucking in gone depth off the deep end with this already. But nah, it's okay. I understand you love the game, and that's. I think that's important that you're able to express how much you're loving the game right now. I think that's really important, and I know a lot of people are really looking forward to this game. So we'll have to discuss it more next week when we've all had time to sit down and play it. And uh, I think that'll be a fun discussion. So cool. Well, yeah. There's there's the preliminary thoughts on tunic oh yeah preliminary <laughs> yeah preliminary with some heavy air quotes Jeez. um done by some foam fingers that you buy at a baseball stadium exactly but uh <laughs> bebop you've been playing a lot of elden ring recently <clears throat> and i know that's uh, what everybody's talking about so please add to the cacophony yeah. uh yeah um i have put um 30 minutes i'm just kidding <laughs> 150 hours into elden ring are you fucking kidding me so you're about 10 i'm not through i'm the not God, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i uh i don't i i did i kind of started losing count if i'm being honest with you uh but i know i when i had last counted uh i had beaten something like 85 bosses um i've beaten the game uh, i actually platinumed it i uh, did the little um l- little save scum thing so then i could get all three endings in one playthrough there you go so then like the new game pluses i could just go for the endings that i liked um that sort of thing uh i love this game uh i think that this in many ways is similar to how I felt about Resident Evil last year, where um, this is kind of the only thing that I think about. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's the only game that I want to play, and Resident Evil, Hitman, and Forza, my my top three for last year. When those games came out, all I did was think about those games, all I did was play those games, like, nothing else in the world really kind of mattered. Um, and I, that's exactly how I feel about this game. I, this is the first FromSoft game that I have ever beaten. Uh, it's the first one that I've platinumed and everything about it feels. Okay. I'm going to say this and, and people are going to think that I'm fucking crazy. This is both the hardest uh, You've ever been in your from past. soft. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sorry, I, I'm sorry. Uh, That's my last one. Okay, okay. Um, this is both the hardest Souls game that I've ever played, um, and also, coincidentally, the easiest. Um, yeah. There is so much in this game that makes it insanely accessible. You have things that like like summons uh or you know every class has the ability to do magic spells now uh which was not the case in in 
older Souls games, if I remember correctly. It was, but it was um, a massive pain in the ass if you didn't have the things you need from the, from the start. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, there's so much stuff here that will help you. I think that the, the horse even, not just for exploration, but like, uh, you know, horseback combat. combat and Yeah, exactly. Is just, and it's, when you're fighting stuff like the tree sentinel or whatever, when I first fought him, it was on horseback because yeah. that makes sense. When I was playing it on foot, I was getting my ass beat, you know? Yeah. And the game is just loaded with this kind of stuff all over the place. You can find summons or ashes of war, which I think are a completely new thing to souls games. They're Th- those are actually from Sekiro. They had weapon skills in Sekiro, oh, okay. um, which were, again, since you had the one weapon in order to switch things up, you'd get like different special abilities in that game. And this is, this okay. is they took that idea back from Sekiro to the kind of the more Soulsy type combat. And that's, that's the weapon mm. skills in this, which that is, as far as things that you take from Sekiro, that's, that's one of the top things I think you could grab. I, like, obviously, grappling hook you always take the grappling hook they didn't take the grappling hook yeah. but but they took the weapon skills which is that is the second thing that you would have taken from Sekiro yeah exactly yeah <laughs> um at the same time there are some of the most punishing and difficult bosses i've ever played against like ever and yes. like I, I don't know <laughs> I beat, uh, what is her name? Uh, Melania, um, the one that has the two faces. Uh, she's an optional boss, yeah. uh, but she's a shard bearer. I beat her, and I genuinely don't know how I did it without, like, I, I don't know how I would have done it if I were going the old school, like, you play with a sword and a shield, Dark Souls yeah. type thing. like. That fight is hard as fuck. And I, I started as an astrologer, so I was like, I, I've never done magic in a Souls game. I know this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to play this game, I'm going to do magic, and I'm, yeah. I'm just going to have a fun time. Magic was good in Demon and, Souls, and then it kind of sucked in all the Souls games since then. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> but I, I, I've played... Let's see. I've played... A little bit of the Demon Souls remake on PS5. That's so good. Um, and then I've played Dark Souls One, Dark Souls Three, and Bloodborne. Um, and none of them I've made it past. I Bloodborne's the one that I spent the most time with, and I I got about I want to say six or seven bosses deep uh, before I was like banging my head up against a wall that's and a like I can't fucking do this. Bloodborne is punishing <laughs> punishing because that's bloodborne i love but bloodborne is essentially souls bosses that they just take away your shield for they're like you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna learn how to dodge perfectly everything in here dodge or parry oh yeah it it, it is yeah. bloodborne is a punishing game uh yeah very much so yeah. um but i <sighs> I don't even remember what I was saying, to be honest with you. Oh, the, the difficulty. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
another one. I, this one is, I, I think, less so, um, like, difficult in terms of, like, mechanics and stuff like that. But Radon was such a bastard to beat because even if you're on horseback, his little, like, um, uh, the attack he does where the, uh, the spears, like, follow you is, is yeah. like a pain in the ass That's to a- dodge. Attacks, fucking arrows, curving their, bullet bending their way right into your skull is a Souls Mm -hmm. thing (laughs) since the beginning that if you're not ready for is, is fucking brutal. It's fucking brutal. It's, it's the sort of, it's the sort of complete bullshit that you come to expect from that series. Um, that, that it's it's meant to teach you dodge at the last second use your iframes is, mm-hmm. is what that's meant to teach you because you need to know that for melee combat it's just mm-hmm. they fucking decided to do the same thing for the ranged combat as well like use your iframes <laughs> like you're you're only gonna yeah. dodge this while you're invincible in a in a roll or something mm-hmm. um and it's 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 so funny because it's it's so blatantly unfair watching it happen with those ranged attacks as they just curve directly towards you as you're running away from something. Um, that kind of, I don't know. Arrows curving towards <laughs> your face is I think kind of the Bloodborne, the soul's experience writ large. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I was saying. Yeah, I, I distracted I myself there, but that. like that, that sort of, very punishing, but once you understand what's going on, it's 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 not a big deal, sort of a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. There and uh, it's not only is it like learning to like dodge perfectly to like you know get the most out of your iframes. It's like stuff where like I I really think that Margit the f- I I don't think he's technically the first boss because you can you can go around and fight other things first. Oh yeah, he, he's the first like, like required boss. But yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, his fight. I think. Uh, I mean, I we were just talking about it on on our show the other day. Um, I think is one of the best fights in the entire game because he teaches you everything that you need to know in regards to like. He has delayed attacks and he had like he he punishes you for like uh like spamming the roll button or you know stuff like that. He teaches you what this game is going to be about the entire way. More so than most other souls bosses, period. Like Yeah, yeah. Um like uh, what is the um the one in the first demons or not not demon souls, but the first dark souls where you literally can take off like a chunk of his health. Oh yeah, yeah. Before the, uh, the fight oh, even fuck, gets started, the pit demon. Yes, yeah, something like that. I, I forget what it, uh, what his name is. Yeah, but that one, that one's I, a similar just, thing of like teaching you there will be things you can do to just cheese a boss. Like cheesing a boss is not a mm-hmm. big deal. Like the the whole point of that is he will fuck up your day, and then you'll do a plunging attack on him. Do you know? 80% of his health bar and then just barely finish him off after that by, by understanding, okay, find out how to get around the challenge we're giving you is kind of what they're doing. And, and 
like mm-hmm. like you said, um, Margit is kind of that in this game where it's a having you relearn timings because oh my mm-hmm. god does he delay yeah. attacks more than any boss in any souls game ever it is it is about <laughs> waiting until the last second when the attack is about to go off to finally dodge um yep he like he will fuck with you i think more so if you are a souls game fan than if you're just coming into this fresh um because he's like he he's just he's he's making you relearn so many things uh, coming into this game. Uh, but then also on top of that, he's got one of the deepest move pools of any Souls game mm-hmm. boss. Like Jesus Christ, his his like third phase shit where all of a sudden he gets like eight move combos. <laughs> like what the fuck yep. is that? Like that's. That that's Dude. the sort of stuff that we only ever saw in Sekiro before that. But in that game, you could parry essentially infinitely if if you knew the timings right. Um, mm-hmm. It's insane. Uh, that, that is such a great yeah. boss fight as far as teaching you what the game expects of you. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Um, so so there's all that, and then. I, I want to echo kind of what you were saying about Tunic with this. This game doesn't teach you. I, there's a little tutorial section that tells you, like, here's what buttons to press and stuff like that. Yeah. This game doesn't tell you anything. Oh, yeah. It just kind of says, here's the world. Here's everything that's happening in it. Go. Yeah. And... I, I think you you're you're right to an extent like th- it's not like Zelda where you have to go and find like your weapon and your shield and stuff like that but it very much is at least to me the same feeling I get from playing that first Zelda game or oh, yeah. from playing Breath of the Wild where it, it does not hold your hand and we were mm-hmm. we were talking earlier about the subtlety in games I I was playing Horizon a little bit earlier. Uh I for whatever reason, I think it was because we did our community challenge and we had to play Pokemon, so I was trying to get that done for uh our spoiler cast. Yeah. And so I was playing that when Horizon came out and it, it just kind of got put on the back burner because Elden Ring was something that like I think all of us were excited about. I feel so uh, bad for Horizon doing this literally twice in a row coming out right before (laughs) Breath of the Wild and then coming out right before Elden Ring. How, how do you fuck up your release window that royally two times in a row like that? That is, that is, that is painful. That hurts my soul that they did this twice now. (laughs) Poor gorilla, man. Well, I mean, you you, uh, you you think you'd have some kind of awareness to even delay it or release it sooner like because it, Elden Ring was give it a month to be the biggest give it, game give it a fucking month. Like, <laughs> oh, it hurts me. It it I feel so bad for them that they've done this twice now. Yep, it's it's terrible. I I don't know what Sony and and Gorilla were thinking, but you know whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so Horizon got put to the back burner and I, and I'm I'm kind of getting on it now. Um 
And w one of the things that I noticed, and this is actually something that, uh, like, bothers me about a lot of open world games now is there are quest markers everywhere in that game and i just started oh yeah and for me i that's a t an immediate turnoff like i remember playing the witcher 3 for about i'd say 20 hours yeah. or so and i got to the point where i was just like i don't want to play this anymore because Every time I would clear a quest marker or something like that off of the map, a new one, like, yeah, not even necessarily a new one, like four. Yeah, new exactly. Ones would pop like, up. oh, my God, I just finished this really important thing. I've done so much. I've made the world a better place. What's my reward? Go do it eight more times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man, I can't. And I can't like. I'm going to interject here. No, we're not talking about <laughs> go Witcher ahead, 3, go but ahead. I, I got to push back a little bit. Yes, there are some quest lines like that in the game. But when I think about what you guys are talking about, I think about Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, yeah. yeah no, that game that, that is very much about that. That is map really marker cool, the game. Quests, but for the most part, it was boilerplate repeat shit. Witcher 3 was not that. There are so many unique quest lines in that game. Yes, the game does have some of those more boilerplate quests, but the game is has far more unique, interesting quests in there. Um, and it's it's a shame. Now, that, I'll, but I'll give you again, that. I, I'll 100% give yeah. you that, but there's like 80 of them in, That's the in issue, one city. Is figuring out which ones aren't bullshit. Ah, oh, man, I, I, I mm -hmm. can see you saying that about Cyberpunk, for example, but Witcher 3, they, they very well signposted which ones were good and not. I, I felt, and look, which I say that's that its own put, issue. I, if they know put, which ones are bullshit, why are the bullshit ones in there? <laughs> because like for people well, for people who want more content, like me. Like I put 120 hours into that game, I think, and I was perfectly fine with all the lesser side quests and the ones that I didn't want to do, I just skipped. But I think the difference. Isn't there that the is, game where you tried to complete the side quests that don't actually end? You're thinking of Fallout 4. Is it? Because uh, <laughs> I remember one of these games, you tried to clear... I thought it was I thought it was The Witcher 3 that had infinite side quests. No, that was Fallout 4. Was that Fallout that was 4? Preston okay. Garvey. Yeah, Preston I, Garvey. I, I remember specifically one of them where you tried to finish all the side quests and some of them just fucking repeat. Like, yeah, it's like Preston you get to Garvey, a, Fallout 4. Like that, yeah. that was one of the first inside jokes we ever had, which was back in 2016 where I said, fuck Preston Garvey. Right. And some of the fans were saying, get that on a t-shirt, get that on a bumper <laughs> sticker. Yeah, no, that's the game. But um, I think, I think, I think like, and I, I will, I will stop being tangential here in a second. I think it's a problem when your map is completely littered with that shit, like an Ubisoft game or like yeah. how mm -hmm. Cyberpunk oh, yeah. 2077 yeah. was. Witcher 3 wasn't that bad. No, no, it wasn't. I, as far as, it's funny, I've talked about this before. Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is absolutely 100% that, but mm -hmm. also is really good. Like, it's, it's the only good version of that that I've seen so far. Because, right. like, it, it takes that just trash to the extreme and makes it palatable again by, like, just leaning into it. It's... Everything is a tangent. You know it going into the fact that, like, any, any new side quest you get is bullshit. And they have fun with it. Like you, you just you do the dumbest shit in that game. Um, right. 
and it's it's fun because it's so dumb right and i feel like a lot of games have not gotten that point like no this is all bullshit we know it's bullshit you know it's bullshit have fun with it is kind of i feel like where assassin's creed odyssey hit its stride um yeah valhalla was really really just not fun and it had a bunch of laborious side missions i do remember that and i I will say one thing to cyberpunk's defense in regards to what we're kind of shitting on it for it did have the option to where you could choose which quests would show up on that map so if you want only main mission quests you could there was a filter just filter out all the nonsense yes yeah that Hmm. is possible i do want to point that out but i'm done co-opting your point bebop please (laughs) please uh feel free to continue yeah uh well my my point was just going to be that um this gives me very much the same intended feelings as breath of the wild uh and the original zelda and it's it's that like you are in this world and you can do almost literally anything that you want i i really think that they're is something to be said where if you wanted to just play this game and just kind of like go around and explore the world and not do any of the stuff that you could probably do that. Oh, and no, have you could just as good a time for 300 hours in this game without getting back to the storyline in Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a wonderful thing. That's yeah. I don't, I, I do love that about that. Again, like I, I'm, I've mentioned before how I, that's my, my favorite thing about the Soul series, but I think them taking a shot at what open world games should be is absolutely something the rest of the genre should, should take a look at going forward is how they mm-hmm. fucking knocked it out of the park with this. Yes. Um, yeah. Even if it's not uh, my favorite 100%. thing about the Souls games, if if you somehow go back to that Ubisoft just nothing but fluff bullshit after this, it's going to be painful. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to... Uh, I, I hate to say this, because I what I have played of Horizon, I've really enjoyed thus far, but I have to be honest, I'm not looking forward to going back and playing that game. That's... Because... I've yeah. been spoiled by this. That's something I actually, I was going back and playing through the original through, through, uh, uh, zero dawn. But before all this came out and that's something that again, the quest structure is complete bullshit. The, like the bandit camps, fucking Christ. Why, why mm-hmm. are the bandit camps in that game? But then the combat's so solid that it just, it pulls you through it anyway. Oh, because yeah. the combat in that yeah. game is just, top tier like it, it is like monster hunter level bloodborne type it is fucking solid and it pulls you through that quest structure regardless um but i'd love to see it without that fluff in there is kind of yeah, yeah i i 100 agree with that 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 would be that's my my i think big criticism i don't know that horizon necessarily needs to be open world oh yeah, uh, yeah because the the best parts of that game are not the open world stuff to me 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, not that the open world's bad. Like, I think it's fun when you come across some robot dinosaur that's way stronger than everything else in the world that you've seen so far. And oh, that's, yeah. That's cool. It's just that the way that most of it's not that. That That is not... Yeah. That is the... Mm-hmm exception that proves the rule that this is just every other ubisoft type progression open world nonsense exactly yeah i yeah 100 percent uh i forgot what i was gonna say never mind i'll sneak back into the (laughs) i was gonna say something and then i completely forgot what i was gonna say what was the last thing you guys were saying talking about ubisoft type open worlds Mm. Yeah. Oh, uh, Horizon. You guys were talking Horizon. about Horizon. Talking about Horizon. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So here's the thing I will say about Forbidden West, because Josh, I know you haven't played it. I've not Bebop. gotten to it yet. I'm still going through Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. And Bebop, how far are you into Forbidden West? Uh, I have really barely touched it. Okay. So you're you haven't gotten to the point like the point where things like really ramp up, which is about ten hours into the game. Um, here's what I will say. Not to get tangential again, but I am gonna anyways. Uh, th- there's a lot more things to find here, like small things. Like there are little environmental puzzles that you have to solve. There are special collectibles, and you have to get a certain ability in order to unlock it. They they manage to fill out the world in different ways rather than just putting more bandit camps like they did in the first game, which has been nice. That's um, good. That I'm is... glad. I'm glad they've taken that in a different direction. So that's one of the things that I liked the most about Breath of the Wild is how many of the side objectives in that game weren't told to you. Weren't nothing is explained. It's just if you figured out, you figured mm-hmm. out. If not, you don't know about it. Right. Um, yep. Right. So instead I, I will of say that, like... just having one more quest marker. Hmm. Yeah, I will say that stuff is nice. I will say, you know, to Josh and uh, Bebop, your guys' point and credit, I wish that there were more, like, super rare or super one-of-a-kind machines in this game. Because the way that Zero Dawn worked, I mean, granted, I'm not near as far as I should be into Forbidden West, is that when you come across a new type of machine, or if you're in an area where they're more prominent, that's all you see. And it's very rare for you to come across more uniquely designed. And I, mm-hmm. I like, if you think about it from a biological perspective, that when you go into a specific area, yes, there are going to be creatures that are more populous in that area. It's kind of the same as when we talked about Pokemon Legends Arceus. That's an inevitability. That's just how science works. That's how niches work, um, habitat yeah. projections, all that stuff. From a biological perspective, there are many things pointing to that's how it works. Where I, would have, where I would like to see Horizon take it a step further, and I don't know if they do this with Forbidden West yet, maybe they will, and they'll prove me wrong on this point, is that sometimes in biology, you will come across a species that is very, very specific and localized to one very specific habitat. And that's that could be to a whole many different, like, whole host of factors. It could be due to genetics. It could be due to human-based interactions, um, which is um, anthropogenic effects. That could be due to uh, pressures mm-hmm. on predator-prey relationships or food webs. There are so many things that 
can contribute to why um, you can find one one type of bird only on the Galapagos Islands, or why you oh, can yeah. find no, like, one you should, fish you should in, come across, in a lake only in Arizona. You should come across islands in Forbidden West that just happen to have miniature versions of the dinosaurs you've seen so far, because there's no other competition on that island. Like, why wouldn't I become miniature? See that that like that kind of shit would be dope. Yeah. Like, or you come mm-hmm. like you go to one area, and there are like five of this type of dinosaur machine and you have to decide do i kill them (laughs) Uh, and like put some kind of that would be you know that would be really cool if they did some of that like you force how they end up changing that's what i'm saying like an ethical dilemma like so like say there's there's uh there are these five creatures they're the only five known left in the world but they are just destroying the habitat they're a part of and you yeah. run the risk of once they dry this habitat up they move out and start destroying other habitats do they stay there do you let them live or do you kill them because it's only the five yeah. that exist like start making like things like that and granted this this is very hyper specific for me <laughs> going to school for ecology but i just listened to josh talk about ciphers for 20 minutes so i want to nerd yep. out for a few minutes <laughs> let me have my nerd moment that's all i'm saying but like no, I think, and this kind of, again, speaks to what we were talking about earlier, is what, I think a lot of games have these, like, boilerplate experiences, or they bury these kind of unique concepts so far into the game that it's it's really hard to come across them, and sometimes that makes them more valuable. I think about Red Dead 2, about how yeah. you actually can come across an ecologist in the wild and you work with him to document the creatures you come across in the game. That's like one of my favorite quests in that whole game. I'm not a big fan of that game, but I love that side quest line. It's great. It's great. And um, I wish that stuff was maybe, maybe it wouldn't be as special if it was signposted a little bit more, but if they could somehow focus a little bit more on that, like give some weight to that, I think it would be nice. And I wish that, like, Horizon had that kind of stuff because they clearly care about the ecology that they're crafting in the game. Oh, yeah, that's a big part of the story as a whole. Yeah. It's kind of how that all... Yeah. It'll remain to be seen as I get further into Forbidden West, so... Yeah. Yeah. I really need the time to get more into that game. I've got... There's just so much that I'm still trying to catch up on. And next week, boys, Kirby and... Ghostwire Tokyo. I keep my brain will not let me process that Ghostwire Tokyo is coming out next week. I don't know how many times yeah. I've looked at the release date, and my brain is how just many like, times oh yeah, I September. Keep it too, yeah, it, you know that comes out September. Like, just my brain will not let me process that, that is Sweet. barreling straight at me right now. It, it's the just, nice thing. No, is, it, it comes out September. It's just <laughs> no. The nice thing after next week, we have a lull. <laughs> For a little while. Jesus Christ, man. a small man. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That'll be nice. Nuh-uh. We got Lego Star Wars, baby. You and uh, five other people are excited <laughs> for that. <laughs> no, I know. I know the Lego games are really good, and that'll be, I'm sure, a lot of people, on a lot of people's radar. Oh, but... yeah. No. The Lego yeah. games are surprisingly good. Like, they're, yeah. they're always, yeah. always somehow worth your time, is, is kind of what, yeah. <laughs> and you're worth my time, Josh. Mm-hmm. Somehow. 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 All right. Well, I want to very, very briefly talk about Triangle Strategy. I haven't put a lot more time into it. I was extremely busy this week with uh, students' graduations and preparing for my new job, preparing to leave my old job, all sorts of stuff. 
Um, so I, I do have a few small thoughts on the game, and I just wanted to get them out really quickly because I know that um, the game is selling pretty decently well. I mean, it's sold 800, over 800,000 copies worldwide, which is uh, decent numbers for a tactics game, I think. A very niche uh, genre of video games. But what I wanted to say about this, um, I've, I've gotten a few chapters in at this point. Um, the first two chapters have one battle each chapter, and then the rest is world building, character building, getting to know the players, and getting to know what's happening in the story. I'm enjoying the story. I'm in really enjoying the, the battling. What I will say, and I told uh, Josh and Bebop privately, is if you are interested at all in this game, I would wait until you've knocked all the other games that have released these past few weeks and if you have interest in Kirby and Ghostwire next week, I would wait until after. And the reason why I say that is because um, I'm in the middle of playing Forbidden West. I'm in the middle of playing Triangle Strategy. Next week, I'm going to be in the middle of playing Kirby. Um, I can't play Ghostwire Tokyo because I don't have a PS5. Uh, I'm going to be playing two. Is that uh, exclusive for PS5? PS5 and PC. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And... Um, I don't have a good enough PC to run it, and I don't have a PS5 yet. But I'm going to be playing Tunic very soon as well. I think that the story in Triangle Strategy is very, very interesting. But as I said last week, it is very in-depth. It is extremely in-depth. And um, I, I've had a hard time kind of keeping in my brain how all these characters are, are connected all the things that are happening. And Rich had said on the podcast last week, and to me privately, don't worry about that too much. That, but I'd want to worry about that. If you know, I, like, I, I want to I get involved in the story. If I had to guess, just a... Uh, knowing the... Knowing the... Kind of... Features of the genre, especially after... Final Fantasy Tactics. They've given you a ton of stuff. They're probably going to ease off for the next little bit and let you see how all those pieces fit together for a little bit. So it, it may right. have been completely overwhelming. And then they give you a couple hours of understanding how all that works. Right. And then it's, you it's get like game how everything changes. That's, that is completely a guess. But knowing what this genre does a lot, you might be you might be kind of heading in that direction. So yeah, and you might be right. I mean, that's probably what's going to happen. It's probably going to be less overwhelming after getting all the expose exposition. Um, yeah, they can be they can be really just overwhelming dense. right off the bat, and then kind of give you room to understand it. For sure, I just like I feel guilty because like I'm not engaging with it, with the story as much as I want to be. And mm -hmm. I want to be engaged in the story. I want to know, I want to get sucked into characters that mean nothing. Like, that's, that's the way I want to play this game. Yeah. Because the, the, the narrative lends itself to getting that sucked in. And I mm -hmm. feel like, because of the constant start-stop nature of the way I'm playing, like I play for 15 minutes or 30 minutes or 45 minutes at a time, that it's like, I feel like I'm constantly slamming the brakes on in my car 
and yeah. um, that I'm is not, uh... I'm not making. I'm not actually getting anywhere in the city yeah. I'm driving in. You know. Um. So oh, yeah. yeah. My, like my my simple recommendation is it, it it it's a great game so far. Granted, I'm not that far into it, but it's been really really fun. And a lot of the things that Rich and I said last week still stand. But if you're playing other things, don't play it like I'm playing it. Don't play it haphazardly because that's not. I don't think that's the way it's meant to be played. Um, or at least if you're gonna play it that way, set a few hours aside per chunk to play it that way that way like you're getting a lot of information at once it will stay fresh in your mind and hopefully it'll stick there longer and then the next time you play you play for a few hours it'll make a lot more sense than just like very small bite-sized portions um that's my recommendation you know that's a that's a how big of a what how long is a play session kind of is a is a consideration that's kind of uh, unaddressed but important to all three of the games that we're playing right now like like what what do you is this something you sit down and play hours and hours of is this something you play for a half hour is this something you play for two hours like what what is a satisfying session of this game um, look like um, and that's I, I think we, we we've mentioned this before. I, I think on other shows, but like that that is that is a that is something that we really need to know more of going into a game. Like, what does this game expect mm-hmm. of me, time wise, in a sitting, to mm. get the most out of it? Um, mm-hmm. Well, good news. Frankly, you. I'd like to see okay. more information about that before I get a game in the future and it just it that does not seem to be a priority on anyone's mind except for me at this point but i'd love to know more about that going into a game i i put a version of what you just said in our trello as a future topic because that's a i think that's a really interesting thing to talk about something it it makes such a difference on some games um whether it's something you can just pick away at or something you need to just dive into like devote a weekend to this like it is something you need to just commit to Um, i I know that some some developers are really good about saying hey our game is going to be about 10 hours long it's mm -hmm. one of the first things i do when i start a game now um just due to you know responsibilities and time constraints is i go immediately to google and say read how long is this game going to be if it's a chapter-based game how many chapters are going to be in the game that way i can kind of mentally partition and physically partition my time to know how i'm going to play the game but that's like one of the first things that i research now yeah no it it, it, exactly it's it's Mm -hmm. very important um to to being able to set aside like i mean you know how long a movie is going to be going into that like why why and again like a lot of times you know Okay, this game's gonna be a hundred hours. This game's gonna be twenty hours going into it, but that doesn't tell you the play session time, like what's gonna be required of you in a sitting. Uh and that mm. that in particular is is something that I think really should be a, a much more transparent value. Hmm. I I would be curious to see how they could implement that, because especially in something like an open world game, 
borderline oh, yeah. impossible. But something like this, which is more on rails, yeah, it'd be mm-hmm. it'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but I I don't really have much more to say about the game at this point. Uh, like I said, I've done a few more of the battles, got a little bit more involved with the story. I'm really enjoying um, what I've seen so far, and I'm excited to experience more. It's just I haven't had the mental capacity to sit down and really get as involved as I'd like to. So. Mm. Can leave it there. Uh, we're going to go on one final break and then we're going to do some quick social media polls and round out the show. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Ah, the summer breeze. The sun is beaming. The waves are crashing. Life is good. Mister! Mister! No. Uh, m- what? What in the blazes is going on? x Extra! Read all about it! Read what, lad? Spit it out! How did you find me on vacation? Swordjump has tank tops, beach towels, and much more over at store.swordjump.com! Store.swordjump.com? Store.swordjump.com! Store. That's swordchomp.com. Yes! Store.swordchomp.com! Store.swordchomp.com. Yes, damn it! <sighs> it worked. I can enjoy my afternoon nap in peace. Hey, mister! Did you hear about store.swordchomp? And we're back! Hey, guys. Uh, We missed you. We missed you so much that we decided to come back for the last part of the show. We're going to do some uh, social media polls, which you can vote on every Tuesday at the Swordchomp Instagram. We run some basic polls, trying to get you involved in the show, trying to get your opinions on, uh, you know, just what's happening in the industry or thoughts that we have and whatnot. So we were curious about a few things. And so I ran some polls. The first one I ran was Tunic Drops Wednesday. It's a Zelda-inspired indie game. Is it on your radar? And 57% of people said, I'm hyped. And 43% of people said, no thanks. And I think that makes sense. I mean, it is an indie game. Um, it is in the old Zelda style, not the newer Zelda style. So um, I guess it makes sense. And Bebop, you're going you're gonna to play it, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I am as well. So it'll be a fun discussion when everybody's played it. I hope more people make it around to the game. Indie games always need more love. Uh... The next poll, Ghostwire Tokyo has been getting solid to great reviews from people who have gotten their hands on it so far. Who is playing it day one? I was curious about that. And uh, 39% of people said me, my dude, and 61% of people said I'm hesitant. Where do you guys fall on this? Are you guys going to play it day one, or are you hesitant like 61% of people? Uh, I'm definitely going to play it. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to play it day one because Elden Ring, Triangle Strategy, and Horizon, they're just so many games right now. 
Okay. What would, like, Bebop, before I throw it to Josh, what would make you play it day one? Like, is there, is there like, a specific person who, if they were like, you gotta play this fucking game, you'd be like, okay. Uh... No, not really. Uh, I, honestly, if there weren't other games out, I, I would be playing it day one. Um, because I love Tango Gameworks and uh, Shinji Mikami. I just... It, it really just does come down to the fact that there's other stuff that I'd rather be playing. And I, I don't know that any... like Maybe if Elden Ring and Horizon and Triangle Strategy hadn't come out... <laughs> hmm. But, well, you know, let let me ask this question in a different way. Um, who is your hall pass in your relationship for you? Um, I haven't really given it any thought, to be honest with you. OK, don't give it much thought. What's the first person that comes to mind? Uh, Jennifer Connelly. OK, I'm not going to judge there. She was awesome in Labyrinth. Oh, Yeah. Okay, that's so like, if Jennifer you could Connelly give no came, context, and that's always just gonna be the first person that's comes to mind, right? She does remind me of the babe. Um, <laughs> no, but <laughs> let's say just purely hypothetical. Jennifer Connelly comes up to you tomorrow and says, "I will lick your nipples if you play Ghostwire Tokyo Day One." Would you do it? Oh God, I don't know, man. <laughs> Have you played Elden Ring? <laughs> Jennifer Connolly's offering to lick your nipples if you play that is, day one. That's true. That is a thing that you said would happen. <laughs> <laughs> that is rich level humor. That is exactly something Rich would say. I respect that. Uh, what do you think? Would you do it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Why not? I, I would probably <laughs> do it. You sound like you wouldn't be like, a oh, fuck yeah, right on the spot. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess. I mean, fuck if I have to. Guess if Jennifer Connolly has to lick my nipples, like oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, yeah. If she if if she's gonna like uh, <laughs> lick lick my left nipple, maybe not the right one. Is the left one more sensitive? Yeah, yeah, uh, okay. for sure. Are you into that, Bebop? We don't usually have sex talk around here. Are you what? into that? Uh, nipple licking? Like, like yeah. having my own lick? Yes, yes. No, not really. Okay. Josh, are you? If you don't mind me asking. I mean, it's kind of an inevitability if she's shorter than you. Um, it's like, it's, 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 you go it's to a the matter beach of accessibility. She's like so happy your tongue's out. <laughs> it's it like, no, no, it like, it's no, like, it is, it is, is this is 100% an accessibility matter. Um, mm. You, you lick what you have access to. Um, mm, true. Yeah. So, so I think the question here is whether or not you like shorter girls. Is that why all the teenage <laughs> boys at my school would put peanut butter on their dick for their dogs? Oh my oh god. My god. <laughs> no, Shay, that's called animal abuse. Okay. Is it? They seem to like peanut butter. Why did I say that? Why did I say that? It's the oil of the peanut butter. <laughs> oh fuck! I do not condone. <laughs> I do not condone that at all. Um, at all. Just uh, 
PETA, I'm sorry I made that joke. I wouldn't uh, apologize like to, to them. I'd like to apologize to the future and past dog. I'd past apologize dogs to dogs before I apologize to PETA. And yeah, then the future dogs that may have to deal with that, I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry. Uh, yeah, not a yeah, no, that. if we gave anyone any ideas right now, that is, that is 100% on us, and uh, we yeah. apologize to any dogs who find anything in their peanut butter that they didn't wish to find. Um, if there are any teenagers listening that are considering that, I, may I recommend you go on to Amazon and purchase a Tenga egg, which oh is cheaper, God. and there is no animal abuse. Don't want that. to feed them. Yes, you do. Oh, wait. <laughs> Uh, how do we get out of this one this has gotten out of hand (laughs) oh fuck bebop look what you're doing to us (laughs) i I don't i didn't do anything (laughs) this is all your fault god damn it it's all my Um, i did it this is all your fault no uh here's what i will say yeah like in all seriousness, to the question I originally asked you, Bebop. What um, did you ask you? If he, What did you ask you? Yeah. <laughs> what did you ask you? Uh, I asked Bebop if he likes his nipples being licked during court. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It is going a, back there. I don't, see, I don't say we're pulling up out of this nosedive. By taking Going back nosedive. to there. Going to another nosedive. No, here's what I will say. In, it's actually really popular in Japan. Like, not just in porn. But from my personal experiences with my significant others that I've had here in Japan, I've had both, multiple of them try and lick my nipples. And I'm like, I'm not into that. Actually, I fucking hate that. Please don't is it, do that. Is it a, is, I'm sorry, I'm going, I'm going right back to where I started. Are you sure it's just not a matter of accessibility? Is this, is this a height difference issue? <laughs> I'm laying down, Josh. The height accessibility is not an issue. That that has nothing to do with. Are you saying they're climbing up my my six no, foot I'm one saying, 185 I'm saying centimeter frame? Height oh, I'm close enough. Is explicitly an issue, regardless of whether you're standing or not. Uh, no, it's it's a cultural thing, and I hate it. And I have to. I've I've had to tell multiple partners to. You know what you need to do. That. I don't like it. You need to get a hold. They make this. You can buy bitterant for uh for like nail, bitterant <laughs> for nail nails, polish. So you don't bite for them? if you've got a problem with biting your nails, <laughs> you need to before before you get ready to uh, to to you know have any sort of sexual dalliance with with a stranger mm. in Japan. Mm. Just get a hold of some of that bitterant nail polish and just just paint your nips beforehand. <laughs> Gotta do it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just could just you, nip that in the bud fucking... before it becomes an issue. <laughs> Could you imagine? Man, you guys don't have to imagine this, but like, could you imagine? Like, man, woman, non-binary, whomever. You're like going to do some nipple play, and their nipples are just painted pink. They taste like a switch cartridge. <laughs> Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Just suck out all the juice of the switch cartridge? No, um, oh, yeah, I, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. I can't stand nipple play being done to me. Ugh, it's not for me. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> Josh, are you gonna play? Are you gonna play? Uh, I'll, 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 I'll play Ghostfire Tokyo Day One. I, I'm, I, 
I'm I'm gonna put an Amazon link to to some of that. Some, some of that. bitter. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? For the people like me who don't like the nipple stuff. Uh, I don't yeah. know what we're talking about anymore. Day one, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. Are you gonna play it? Yeah, yeah, no, as soon as that drops in September, I am absolutely on it. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, like I, like I said, as as soon as that game comes out in September, day one, I'm 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 all over it. <laughs> Good. Good. I I really want to be playing it. So, I'm jealous of everybody else who gets to play it. Unfortunately. Uh so I will not be playing it day one. But I will be supporting everyone who does and looking upon them with sad eyes. And uh, a bitter taste in my mouth. Yep. Or a bitter <laughs> taste, rather. <laughs> um, poll number three. No, this is not a mobile game, and this is a picture I posted. This is Chocobo GP, a $50 game riddled with transactions. And just so you guys can see, just in case you didn't already... All those little microtransaction mm-hmm. screens there. Just Beautiful. riddled. And I said, what the fuck was uh, Square Enix thinking with this? And, uh... Sorry, I'm they... trying to pull up the stats. How the fuck do you pull up stats on this? Like, they, cha- they changed uh, how the polls work on fucking mm. Instagram, so it's really hard to pull up the information now. But 72% of people said, it's disgusting! There you go. And... Uh, uh, 29% of people said, eh, no hair off of my head. Yeah, I think I talked about this last week, about how, at the moment, now that Konami only makes casino games, Square Enix is basically the king of absolutely fucking up a game with bullshit like this. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's so weird, because they swing wildly from letting the developers make exactly what they want and just paying for it, just getting it promoted, getting it just producing a game. They, they swing wildly from giving developers space to do what they want to. And then that bullshit. Mm. And it is just like there, there used to be a quality of standard you expected from a square game. And you do not at this point because it is, like it's it's not that it's all shit. They make some really good stuff still. But then they make that. And it's yeah. just like why? why why would you hurt your own brand that much to come out with a fully priced game that looks like literally everything that mobile games have done to fuck our medium in the uh, last well, couple decades. I, I agree with you, and I think that's the crux of it. If they had just dropped this as a free-to-play game, sure. Right? I would have been like, okay, it is what it is at that point. I'll probably play it for a few hours and then call it good. Yeah. And perhaps if I even really like it, probably not. I would probably drop them $5 again. Probably not, but I would consider it. Yeah. Um, not very hard, but I would consider it for about five seconds. But I would at least consider it a little bit. Yeah. The fact that it's a $50 game and it's riddled with that is perplexing to me. Like we talked about earlier, I understand companies got to make their revenue somehow. They got to, you know, 
be able to pay the CEOs the $2 billion, or $2 million, excuse me, that they're owed, uh, that they deserve. And I get that. I get that. They got to buy that third jet. I, I, like, I I completely support that. I'm not, I'm not fighting against that. But I actually did a post about this on Instagram uh, earlier this week talking about nostalgia and how it's, it's, it swings both ways. There are some beautiful examples of how nostalgia can be a great thing if utilized properly. If you look at an example like yeah. Final Fantasy VII Remake, that is a great example of taking nostalgia and expanding upon that in a beautiful way because it wasn't that just that they made the game more beautiful. They completely revamped that game. Whereas you take a look at something like um, the Grand Theft Auto trilogy that just recently dropped that I had completely forgotten about until oh I posted God. that. That's just a clear money grab. And they they literally upresed the damn thing by algorithm, like with yeah. with with whole words that are just mistranslated because they've essentially got the equivalent of fucking the the YouTube auto translator you know, auto caption auto 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 caption thing to upres the words on signs that just end up being wrong. Yeah, like. How fucking lazy do you get that you don't have a single fucking person ever look at the upres job that you're doing? Like, that is... That makes sense. Like, when I was playing that, I I was so confused why I couldn't buy bread on that upside-down triangle that said yeast. I thought... I'm bracing. I'm I'm still bracing for the punchline. That's it. That's it. That's as far okay. as I'm going to take All right. Okay. Joke. Okay. That's okay. It. All right. Good. 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 Yeah. Good, good. Instead of yield, it said yeast. I know it wasn't a good okay. joke. I was I was I was trying not to take it too far. Just far enough to be. A no. No. That's that's good. But but no. Like like they, they literally had a fucking AI make their HD version of that. Like fucking don't. Fucking don't. Like, yeah. I've, I've been in this before. Like just stick an HD camera in the game. That would have been good enough. But instead, right. they had to make an even lazier version of it and have an AI make their game for them. Like, what the fuck? But, like, here, here's the thing. Like, it doesn't really affect me at the end of the day what G- the GTA trilogy does. Because, I mean, I, ha- I have a lot of nostalgia tied with, uh, especially Grand Theft Auto 3, but that whole trilogy. But yeah. at the end of the day, what was it, $15, $30 for three games? It is what it is. I don't think it's as egregious of an example as this, where it's like, oh, yeah, no, no, a brand brand new game price, and it is just riddled with that day one. Um, I can't think of a grosser example of someone preying on nostalgia in gaming in the past few years than this, to be honest with you. Like, Bebop, do you feel similarly? Like, is there anything you can think of that? It's a full price game. Sorry, I'm looking at this. This oh, trilogy is a full fucking priced game. It's, but it's sixty it's bucks. 60, it's sixty dollars. You're not getting transact microtransactions with that. No, you're not. You're I, just also not getting the original game. Like that's true too. I've been yeah. through this a few times in the last few weeks. This is a prime example of a game you pirate because they fucked up trying to take your money again. Like it's it's giving them money again is a worse experience than pirating the game at this point. Well, we here at Sword Chomp do not condone pirating, but if you do decide to sail the high seas, we exactly. won't Exactly. No, no, we don't condone it. <laughs> but we just want to know, are you ready, kids? 
Aye, aye, Captain. Exactly. Bebop, where are you at with this? Uh, this is n- not a game that was ever on my ra- like radar at all. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, <sighs> it doesn't affect me, but in other ways, it totally does. Uh, and I think that it's gross. Um, I don't know it. I'm a I'm of two minds because I I do get the like need to to monetize stuff like you were saying earlier Shay like I I understand but at the same time I kind of don't know why you would do this with like a full priced release um, and with something like Chocobo Racing like out of all the games they can try to things, fucking monetize such a niche market to begin with. Why Why would you think that you're going to have just a captive market to continue to milk money out of with a game like Chocobo GP? Oh, you mean that knockoff Mario Kart game that millennials love? Right? Yeah. Like... <sighs> Nickel yeah. and dime them further. Like, yeah. for for me, it's it's gross because, I, first and foremost, I love Chocobo Racing. I, I have a lot of nostalgia tied with that game, which is why I was the most excited of the crew yeah. to break into this one. I, but also, I think that it has some pretty nasty implications if other companies take a look at this. And, like, Bebop, yeah. I think that's kind of what you were hinting at, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. do, do you worry about this this being something that other companies are going to look at and maybe start trying to do like releasing full price like there are some games that do that now i mean you look at a lot of the sports games they're full yeah. price games with microtransactions but like it's going to start expanding outside of sport games is like is that something you're kind of concerned about bebop uh yes yes and no uh i mean we kind of saw that a little bit with Halo Infinite last year where the you know the game was free um on on Game Pass at least the um multiplayer was right or sorry no the whole thing was available on Game Pass the multiplayer portion was free um for everybody yes. but the way that they handled the battle pass was like you had to basically buy you ha- you had to buy the battle pass and then you had to buy all of the little like things to make your battle pass actually worth it and i you know that was a little a little on yeah, the scummy no, side no. like there it was mathematically impossible for you to get everything out of the battle pass without also buying four and a half gallons of Mountain Dew in order to get the experience boosts you needed to get everything out of that battle pass in a given amount of time. You know, yeah. that joke That joke is so fucking old, Josh, and it never gets old. But it's, it's, it's literally true in this case. It's a timeless it, joke. Yeah. It's timeless. Uh, it's a tale as old as time, Shane. Uh-huh. Tales as old as time. Yep. You know, that's the How best to Nickel movie. It's my favorite song about oh. gilfs. Be a <laughs> part of 343 Industries. Fireful game price, if you please. Expect microtransactions. This has been a fucking wild episode. Yes, it 
the wildest one you've ever been a part of, Bebop. For sure. How, how does it feel? Do you feel like you're on acid? Do you hate it? Do you love it? I love it. It almost feels like an episode <laughs> of my show. Good. And you don't have to be the one running the gig. That, that's got to be nice. It's, it's wonderful. I can join in on the fun. <laughs> yeah. Please, let loose. Let your hair down. Your beard hair. But yeah, I don't have any other hair. Yeah, I'm sure well, you I guess I have that you can let down. Yeah, well, huh. I'm not going to go there. That's that's <laughs> that's <laughs> shade territory. <laughs> I'm derobing you here, Bebop. Like talking uh, about your nipples and your pubes. I'm oh, sorry. Man. Like you're a guest. I should treat you better. Mm-hmm. You should. I'm gonna dirty. I'm gonna sue you for this. Oh, dirty man, you sue me. Um. <laughs> Andy is a brand new flow game. Think that game company's flower or flow. Um, I told people to check it out. And uh, 47% of people said, as you wish. And 53% of people said, I'll pass, thanks. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this game. I caught it on a video on YouTube talking about it. It looks awesome and gorgeous. Have you guys heard of it? Just through the social media post. I hadn't heard of it before that. Hmm. Josh? No, just through you as well. I'm really surprised by that. It seems like, Josh, it seems exactly like a game you would love and enjoy. Yeah, yeah, like, I... I've talked about this before, about how just there's so many games at this point that you will miss something that is absolutely your game at this point. Like, you, you can't keep up on everything. Um... Yeah, yeah. Like I, once once you showed it to me, I'm I'm gonna have to check it out. We'll we'll, we'll see if it actually is right up my alley. But it like it, it certainly looks like it. Um, mm. See if it's something that somehow just you know something I missed or uh, you know if it actually me, wasn't, but you know somehow I missed it anyway. Um, we'll, it's we'll, a, we'll see. It's available on the Switch. Microsoft Windows and iOS, and let me or, or let will me be. Just... No, it's out. It's out now. Oh, pretty sure it's out it as of two days ago. It. it was out as of two days ago. But let me read you the description. Tell me if this appeals to you. Smooth, intuitive puzzle platforming. Find and create ephemeral paths along waves of sound and light to follow your calling. Ethereal, adaptive soundscapes now does that does that description appeal to you i'd say so does my voice sound sultry no oh okay that's (laughs) (laughs) um no no it does not uh it's on sale as of now i don't know about yeah no like it came out about four hours ago is what i was looking at it says march 17th which is about four hours yeah four hours ago Fucking time zones. Yep. <sighs> Whatever. It's out. Go play it if you're interested. I'm going to be playing that as well. Somehow. Pirate. Um, the pirate nah, day. No, 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 no. Not, nothing like that. <laughs> I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to purchase it. I'm just like, the time. Where does the fucking oh, yeah, time right. come from? Um, the last poll I did was, have you ever supported a game campaign on Kickstarter? And the reason why I asked that is because uh, besides waiting for the small saga, I've been seeing some other games that I really want to support here soon. 
that I'm really interested in. And I was just curious if pe- other people get down on Kickstarter. So I asked, and 48% of people said I have, and 52% of people said nope, never. Now, Josh, I know you're a pretty avid Kickstarter campaign supporter, and Rich is too. Bebop, have you ever supported anything on Kickstarter? I have not. Um, I don't know why, uh, if I'm being completely honest with you. I'm sure that there's been stuff that has been kickstarted that I would have been on board, uh, but I, I have not. Actually, well, so not necessarily Kickstarter, like that that brand, uh, mm, but there was yeah. a um, a horror documentary thing called In Search of Darkness uh, that I, I backed on creator vc or or something Mm. like that okay um but i I mean that's the only one and that's just because you know i am so huge into the horror movie sphere oh yeah 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 i there's some really cool things there it's it's a little overwhelming when you go to their site to see like kickstarter is overwhelming if you, mm. I, I don't really go to Kickstarter for anything unless I find it somewhere else be, because of that just ridiculous catalog of all the things ever mm. on there. Um, yeah, and like to be honest with you, their their interface isn't the greatest either. Yeah. Yeah. So. I would recommend it if like there's anything that you like see on social media that you really um are interested in. I would say that. That's definitely worth it. There's a game yeah. right now. I was telling the guys about a few weeks. It's this uh samurai looking game. It's a 2D side scrolling game. I can't remember the name of it now. I need to go check on it this weekend because uh I wanna support it. But it's rare that I go there to support anything, but when I do, like I'm about it. Mm-hmm. I am. So, I would recommend it if you are interested, Mr. Bebop. Are you supporting anything right now, Josh? I am, actually, and the campaign's still going on, and also it's not Kickstarter. Um, I just backed Nine Souls, which is okay. another Red Candle Games game oh nice the, the the guys who made detention and uh devotion and devotion the like the 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 first person kind of like horror thriller games from thailand um nine souls is in their words a sekiro inspired 2d like uh combat game like hmm. kind of like it look it looks Metroidvania ish. I'm not I'm not sure exactly what the exploration facet's going to be because they they've shown off way more of the combat layer in in their in their campaign. But but it looks like a you know a two D side scrolling game based around combat. That's that, at least from what they're showing looks really solid, kind of in that Sekiro vein. And also, given what they've done in that psychological horror place, I want to see what they do with a completely different genre. Um, so I, I just backed that and you, you can actually back that through their site directly at Red Candle Games, um, Mm. which 
since it's directly through them, I don't know as far as like, you know, what sort of consumer protections they have compared to Kickstarter, but also knowing the company, they've done a good job of, you know, saying they're going to release something, releasing it. Um, hmm. Not that I'm, you know, going to vouch for them personally, but if you're interested, they're doing it themselves. They're doing the Kickstarter equivalent campaign through their own site um, currently. And that's, that's the sort of thing I'm interested in. Um, right. Currently, just, just, just knowing the company as a whole. Hmm. That's cool. That's pretty awesome. Um, I found out the name of the game now. It is called uh, Meifumado. And uh, I'm pronouncing that in the American way, not the Japanese way. Uh, that way it's easy to find. M-E-I-F-U-M-A-D-O. I recommend looking it up. Uh, it has 12 days to go as of this recording, which will be about nine or eight days upon the release of the episode. It still needs some support before it gets completely backed. It looks like it has a November 2024 release date. Looks to be amazing. Um, I'm going to be backing that as soon as I get out, out of this podcast. Um, definitely want to see that game come to fruition. It looks amazing. So I think fan, like fans of like, it looks like for fans of people like Ninja Gaiden or The Messenger or things like that would be interested in. So, oh yeah, recommend checking that out. They're not a sponsor, by the way. It's just something I'm really excited for. Holy fuck! Sorry, I just I went back to that Red Candle site. I backed it this morning at like five percent funded, and it's mm. currently funded. That's dope. I love when that like, shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's dope as fuck. Yeah, like it, um, yeah, like apparently the fan base was on board with seeing them do something completely different. So yeah, that's yeah, cool. Who doesn't want to see that? Yeah, cool. Well, I mean that's it for the polls. Um, just a few quick back end things. Uh, if you liked what you heard this episode, uh, which uh, Godspeed to you if you stayed through our uh, tangents and our uh, weird humor that we had this episode. Um. Like I said at the beginning of the show, we have more podcasts like Evoking the Sublime, which there's more content there. We have Chomping After Dark, which is our spoiler cast. We have a new episode going up here in about a week and a half. If you're a Patreon, you have access to it now. So you can check out that new episode. Uh, Rich does a podcast called Chomping at the Bits. He has a new episode going up very soon, and it has a relation to another game that's dropping next week. Uh, and he told you last week it's going to be Kirby. So he has an episode going up in about a week or so, I believe. So uh, he'll tell you more about it next week when he gets back. Mm-hmm. Also, if you want to check out more content from us, head over to swordchomp.com where you can get access to all those podcasts. You get access to our merch, um, articles that we write, like reviews and think pieces. And you get access to our Patreon because we are a 100% listener-funded show. Uh, all, all the money that we get for the show goes right back into making more content and allows us to um, do all the fun stuff on the side that we do. So uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody who donates their money to us so we can make more content. We very much appreciate it. And uh, yeah, if you're interested, uh, check it out there. There are a bunch of cool exclusive content and tiers that you get access to. So you check it out there. Um, I won't bore you with the finer details of that. Uh, but we're going to get out of here. First off, I want to say thank you to Bebop for coming back and joining us for another awesome episode. Bebop, where can people find you and what you do? 
everywhere all the time. <clears throat> okay, a little um, bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, you can um, you can find all of our social media stuff is available at uh, pretty much just culture bop uh, or culture underscore bop should be the the tag on pretty much everything. Mm. Um, so if you if you do Twitter, that's where it's at. But I got to be uh, perfectly honest with you. I rarely post anything on the kind of, uh, I guess, well, I don't know if you would call it company, but like on that social media page. Um, mm. um, mainly we do a bunch of stuff on Instagram. Uh, or I do a bunch of stuff on Instagram, I should say. Uh, yeah. Uh, so go check that out. Um, if you like hearing my voice. Uh, which I don't know why you do. Uh, you could go check me out, uh, or go check out our podcast on um, all. What are these called? Podcasts. There we go. Uh, all podcast services. Uh, you can just look up uh, Hunting Pixels. It's a video game podcast in a similar vein to what these boys are doing here. Um, but yeah, that's that's it. Uh, I have said this every time I've been on the show. Uh, I have a video coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to reference that in your intro, and I was like, I'm not going to see how many times we can have him on the show while this video is still coming soon. Oh, man. I swear. I It's like every other day I'm changing something on it. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so if you want to, I don't know, hear me talk about things in video format, uh, you can go over to the YouTube channel, uh, Culture Bob. Yeah, stuff, things, content, whatever internet people do. Check his stuff out. Like, uh, I've listened to his show multiple times. It's a fun listen. Uh, I, he has a side podcast, which I think is defunct now. Is uh, that correct? I, I don't want to say defunct. Hiatus? It's on hiatus. Uh, him and I did a special episode on uh, Dark Side of the Moon, which was a mm-hmm. really, really fun episode. Um, check, check that out, too, if you're interested. Uh, he makes awesome content. He's very passionate like we are here. So check out his stuff. And uh, Bebop, seriously, thank you for coming on the show. Even though you played uh, Elden Ring half the time, I, I still love you being here. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I really honestly th- thank you for having me. Like, yeah. My show's fun. I enjoy doing it. But uh, talking to those guys... Uh, it's fun. We'll leave it at it's that. Fun. It's fun. <laughs> let's, let's, let, let's leave it there. It's fun. I love those guys. They're my best friends. Good people. Good people all around. Um, Josh, I want to say thank you for being here from North Carolina um, and, you know, showing up when you're supposed to because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're you're not some kind of skipper like Rich. Um, (laughs) God. Dickhead. And I want to say um, I was your host, Shay. Not not a skipper like Rich. I'm I'm more of a millionaire and his wife. Hey, Skipper. Uh, I was your host, Shay from Japan. Thank you so much for checking out the show. Uh, we will be back next week with another episode of the Chompcast. Be safe out there. Take care of yourselves and everyone else. And uh, catch you next. Take care.